Okay. Uh, I've got a recording. So on uh, instead of clapping, I guess so you can just like bump the table or something. All right. Three, two, one. Could you hear that? Yep. <laughs> oh. 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 Hi. Oh, hi. Okay. What's up, y'all? So, I'm Brent Densford, and this is the Wheel and Trigger Podcast. This is episode number three, and uh, man, it's a real good one. Real, real good one. We uh, had the pleasure to have Shane Mouton stop by from A-Main Hobbies. Um, as you can hear, Lola tick-tacking around in the studio here. Um, and I got my mascot, Lola May, the Frenchie. Um, but yeah, we had a really good conversation, and... Um, had a ton of fun with this one, and man, the humanity and uh, the amount of things that people go through um, just to be an American, it's uh, its pretty awesome. We learned a lot. Uh, I'm excited for this one. I hope you guys like it. So uh, sit back, listen, watch, have a good time. Yeah, that wasn't bad. Close. I was uh, just telling Shane, uh, I'm Brent, this is the Wheel and Trigger Podcast, and this is Shane Mountain. A lot of you might know him, um, some of you might not, but um, Shane is a brand representative at A-Main Hobbies, right? Am I yep. right? You're yep. In the sales side of things. Yep, yep. So um, Shane just happened to be in town, and uh, we went to lunch, and uh, I was like, hey, man, my meetings got canceled, let's have a podcast. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man. So you're the third guest, and... Um, this is a brand new concept I've been working on, and we're just playing around. And you get to be here, and we get to just shoot the shit, have some fun. Sounds like fun, man. Let's let's get going. So, what? Uh, first off, why are you in Myrtle Beach? Myrtle Beach, just uh, coming around and visiting. We're doing. Uh, we go all over. As as you said, I, I work for AMA, and I'm their account manager on the distribution side. So, I deal with all the hobby shops, and uh, we go around. We see the sites from time to time, and just see what the shops are doing, and how we can help and that kind of stuff. So it's your first time, uh, what you were in, I know you were in Myrtle beach a couple of weeks ago. I yeah. think it was with your girlfriend, better, yes. probably your better half. <laughs> it's anything like my household. You are on the one step down from the, the top. Um, <laughs> but, uh, so this is your first time you got to see our shop. Yeah. Um, and you, you know, we buy a lot from a main. Yeah. So, um, what, what do you think of Myrtle Beach? What do you think of, uh, you know, what, I know you've wanted to race at the track. What do you think of our track? Man, I can't wait to come down there. <laughs> the dog's getting excited. <laughs> She's having fun. Can't wait to come down there. Just recently got back uh, into uh, the 10-scale racing myself. I'd actually never been on clay before, and I got super excited um, over at another track, the INS 12. I was out there promoting as well as I got to race and really just got a taste for clay. And then I've seen our track before. We used to have one at A-Main, and I felt the dirt, and they said it was absolutely prime. And I've seen OCRC, and I felt their dirt, and that was prime, you know, the mecca of racing, right? I came in today, and when I felt your dirt, I was like, i got to be i got to race again. i got to taste <laughs> some of this dirt. And I saw the layout with the berm. Man, you can't really see the elevation. Oh, my word, 
man, I'm just jonesing to come down here. So now I've got to make some time to come race again. That's awesome. That that means a lot because uh, people that have traveled a lot and got to see other places, um, when they see our track, I, it, it always feels good. Never gets old hearing, you know, that people like it or think it looks good or whatever. So that yeah. was probably the biggest compliment we can get from Masters was we're already booking our trip for next year. We love this place. And so I know my guys work real hard over there. So it's good to hear. I appreciate that. They do, man. I like the uh, I like the uh, the diversity of the layout, man. It's it's not just many of the tracks uh, trying to save space. A lot of 180s. You know, you have a bit of everything. You're wrapping in, you're wrapping out. There's some 180s. There's some jumps. There's those elevation changes. It's pretty cool, man. We've got to try and get a, a an onboard of like a so you can see the elevation in that sweeper. You got to get like an onboard of a GoPro. Or something. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, we've done a lot of video to try to show our elevation especially when we're doing track reveals and it never conveys (laughs) it just doesn't there's no way so far we haven't found a way like i've set cameras on the dirt to try to show people or just show them where the the wall line is and until you really walk in and actually see it from ground level with eyes that don't fish eye and you know right it just it doesn't do it justice, unfortunately. Right. And that's, I'm, I'm real proud of that. We've, we've always tried to build a scale style tracks for 10 scale cars. And to do that, you have to have elevation. Yeah. You can't be I just agree. flat with some jumps and stuff. And yeah. a lot of people do great layouts, but yeah. you know, we, that's, we take pride in that. That's where clay is so different. Uh, I like on-road carpet as well as off-road carpet, but that's where the clay tracks are going to be so different is it's, it's almost impossible to get elevation in a carpet track because you just, you can't build just, you know, wooden boxes that you jump up onto. You can have jumps, you can have triples, you can have doubles, you can set it up how you want. You can put stuff under the carpet and make a rumble strip, but how do you get elevation without putting dirt under it? Well, now you've got a clay track. So I've only ever seen one track like that. We did the uh, California Turf Cup. We took some of the dirt, we pushed it in under the turf, and we made some elevations, Kevin did. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. So, yeah, when I see this, the clay just gets me jonesing for racing again. Th- that was for the outdoor track, Silver yes. Dollar, right? Yeah, it was outdoor, completely outdoor, yeah. So outdoor turf at the time. Right. I so. remember when you guys did that. Yeah, making elevation with, with carpet. And, and, you know, that, that's kind of the big thing right now is carpet tracks. Yeah. You know, because a lot of building owners don't want the dirt. And that's, uh, yeah. <clears throat> it becomes pretty tough. I'm lucky, and uh, I know some people. You know, either own their building or they're they're got good landlords, and um, I just I'm not a carpet guy. So our track is uh, as long as it's in there, it's going to be dirt. And um, if we ever did have to move for whatever reason, and we couldn't put dirt in, then I would succumb to the whole carpet uh, bang. But Let's hope that doesn't happen because I've got to say uh, I've tried carpet and I, I love carpet. It's it's very point and shoot, super consistent. But as a racer, um, there's there's that little bit of extra element in the clay where the car moves a little bit more, especially in corners and under throttle. It's a lot more like um, like being in a vehicle or on a motorcycle where you can feel it, you can see the car moving. Whereas with the carpet, I'm just not getting that kind of feedback. So I'm actually setting up the car better on clay than what I am on carpet. Yeah. So, because it's a little more that. forgiving to the car, um, the the clay, because if I mean, you're possibly it could 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 be why I'm enjoying it too, and I'm not the best racer in the world, so it might be yeah. another reason why I like well, it. Well, one mistake on carpet sets you back a lot yeah. because it's so fast. Yeah, um, it's so touring car. You know, yeah. like you said, it's it's very on road style, and even ours, it gets pretty high bite, really high bite, slicks all the, all that. day, and so it's you know. In the grand scheme of things, 
we're kind of following in suit, but not everybody has that kind of dirt that gets that, that kind of grippy. Yeah. Right I was off feeling the off the line, like literally right next to the pipe. I know no one's running there and that's got grip. So I probably <laughs> probably touched that part once or twice at masters. Um, but you just did, uh, I watched you a good bit at um, Hoosier. So when you were at yeah. the INS uh, race at Hoosier, and they had an amazing turnout. Um, if entry numbers are important, they they killed it. They yeah. had a huge, huge turnout. Um, was that your first time, like, doing calling racing like that? Or is that something you do regularly? Or I've been involved with our race program now since I joined A-Main Hobbies in 2016. It only took me two weeks to get out on the track. And within basically three to six weeks, I was already be- beginning to help with the promotion, beginning to help identify the idea that at the time we didn't have a Facebook page and everyone's on media. Everyone's trying to see, is the track open? Is it raining? Have we got a new build? What's the camera feed looking like? So I've been involved since late 2016 with our tracks and our builds. Well, not not necessarily building, but the uh, just involved in the program. And then as that progressed, I got to call some races and I got to run some races and um, yeah, just little things like that, you know, and slowly got involved. So got a little bit under my belt, but I haven't done it at any other track apart from A-Main. So it's only been A-Main until now. So how was that experience? That was really cool. Um, I got a little bit of everything there. Um, I was up in the announcer's booth for a little bit, so I'm giving the announcer a little bit of a break. Um, I was also on the uh, on Mod Media with, uh, with Matt Olson. He was running that. And uh, just doing some of the driver interviews and um, also doing some of the commentating on the live feed. So, um, yeah, just, just, just nice to be able to help and put back. And obviously when we watch uh, sports like motor racing, there's always two commentators. It's a conversation. Yep. Um, if you're just going to tell me what you're seeing, well, I can already see that. But it's much more interesting what we're doing, for example, is to have a conversation a two-way, you know. So um, that's what I was trying to help them to get that diversity, get more eyeballs on RC, just trying to help in any way that I can. Yeah. You hear that, Robert? It's kind of cutting in and out. It's probably me being too far away from the mic. Oh, if if that is, then that's fine. There we go. Yeah, let me bring that closer. Yeah, I remember when uh, I was watching the the feed and I heard your voice and I was like, man, that sounds familiar, but who the hell is like calling this race? Uh, You know, I was like took me a minute i had to i had to step back because uh, i knew matt olson was doing the coverage and um and I, I but then when i finally saw you do an interview i was like oh that's who it is because <laughs> it didn't say it or, you know it wasn't like shane mountain was doing is am yeah. i saying your name right everybody M- mouton or mountain or it's really in english will say mouton but it's really a french name so however you're going to say it in english is going to be wrong anyway so but what is it mouton mouton yeah that's how you say it in french it means sheep <laughs> which is funny because I'm, I'm not sheep. a sheep but <laughs> i guess i'm a black sheep i'm definitely the black sheep of my family but yeah i'm a definitely Shane not a sheep mouton. yeah okay well now i know because yeah, I, I, I i had the same um the same situation with mita everyone calls him mika yeah or micah yeah and uh his last name starts with a w so it's like widemeyer but it's vidmeyer because the germans and the yes. austrians it, it's a v mita vidmeyer so it took a little bit of learning, but, you know, knowing that you're from South Africa and, and that when I look at your name and I, I'm throwing an N after the O in the U, I'm like Mountain or, Mountain or whatever, but it's Mouton. Yeah. Mouton. So now I know. Now I, whenever I uh, say good, it, man. you know, so I've it had, is Mouton, not uh, I've had Mountain. people call me Mouton, Mouton, Mountain, literally anything. It doesn't really matter as long as you know my name's Shane. That's good. <laughs> Um, so you, uh, you recently just relocated to North Carolina to the new warehouses. Um, 
What a culture shock. I, Cali to North Carolina. Yeah, yeah. I got to say, it, it, it is a culture shock. There's definitely a lot of changes. Um, definitely a lot of difference between California. For me, when I came to America, um, the dream for me was what I thought America was. And what's, it's, it's what I saw on the television. It was like the 50s and 60s. The old style, like diners, like American muscle, um, that kind of stuff, right? And California doesn't have a lot of that anymore. So I moved over there and I was like, well... Um, this is great and I love it here, but this isn't quite what I was looking for. And when the opportunity presented itself to move out here to North Carolina, um, we'd been out here to, 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 to do a trip in, uh, in Charlotte before and I loved it. And it reminded me of what I saw in the movies. So when I got the opportunity, I jumped on it. And since then, it's literally been picture perfect. It is, is exactly what I ever thought it was going to be. And I'm just loving it here. That's awesome. So when did you move to America? Um, 2016 in February. So, And I'd been in and out of the U.S. before that. I'd been working on cruise ships um, for about six or seven years. So since, two th- yeah, about six years. 2010, I started working on those and uh, been in and out of the U.S. for all that time. Um, and then I moved here officially, actually immigrated in uh, 2016. So cruise ships. Yeah. Well, what, what were you doing on cruise ships? So pretty diverse, actually. Um, I was in South Africa. I'd built my career up to a point, and um, all of a sudden a recession hits, and they retrenched all of us. And I said, well, I studied hotel management, and then I got into sales, but I studied hotel management so that I could travel. I got stuck in sales because my career progressed, and I didn't want to give away all the years that I've been working to progress that. And now I'm back at the drawing board. I just got furloughed, right? It's gone. There's nothing left. So I'm back on square one. Well, let me go to option B, which was really option A. It was to travel, to go out and see the world. Started working on cruise ships as, as, as literally the lowest entry level, least responsibility job that I could find so that when I wasn't working, which is every day time if you're a bar waiter, which is what I was, then you can go out in all of the ports. So I started as a bar waiter and being someone that's, wants to further myself and is driven, wasn't enough just to stay responsible, you know, yeah. like irresp- like not responsible. Bartender, moved up to assistant cruise director, became a uh, art auctioneer later. So, uh, and I worked on many different cruise lines. So I've been a couple of places and I've been around a lot of them out of the US though, which was obviously one of my favorite countries to be in. I'd be lying if I would, if I told you I'd never thought about doing something on a cruise ship. <laughs> like uh, it's, I'm way past my time of doing something uh, irresponsible or on a whim, but to travel for a living like that, where you got yeah. to see so much, but always be in these beautiful places and see, be around people that are having so much fun. Oh yeah. You know, like the whole time, like that's, I, uh, I kind of envy and, and wish that I got to, you know, experience a little stint of doing something like that. Funny story about a cruise line. I took my, uh, so Masters of Dirt every year, my wife and I, it's our anniversary. Yep. So unfortunately, we don't get to do our anniversary because work is just crazy. They're, the event is, you know, it's always literally during the race. Like this year was on Saturday. Next year it's on Sunday. Well, three years ago, I think it's been maybe four now, we went on a three-day cruise in November. Well, First day, we're having a good time, and, and we're uh, just a cheap carnival cruise. It wasn't nothing crazy. It was like to the Bahamas. And yeah, it's fun. Yeah, it was just it was a getaway for us, just uh, just me and her. Well, we we get on the boat, and everything's good. We drink a little the first night. We wake up the next day, and Tiff's sick. My wife's sick. And uh, it's like, ah, you know what? We're not at home. We're just chilling in the cabin, order room service, watch. Uh, at, that ter- at that time, it was... Um, 
what's those movies? Uh, Mocking Jay and uh, those movies were Hunger Games. Hunger Games thank you. Um, <laughs> so it, we're we're just watching all the Hunger Games, and um, we never came out of our room. <laughs> So on the second to last, like the the night before the day we were going to be back at port, hotel security came, knocked on our door. They had our pictures of our faces in their what? hands. Yeah. They knock on our door and they, they say, uh, are you Mr. Densford? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, where's your wife? I was like, she's in bed sick. Let me see her. What? Yeah. So they didn't know if we died if I killed her oh, man. or whatever, they, they no cameras picked us up the entire trip. We yeah. never came out of the room, but mm. we were ordering room service and stuff. But for all they knew, it was just one person, and oh, my wife's dead, or I'm dead, and she, you she's know. overboard, bro. That's yeah, amazing. exactly. Yeah. So, wow. um, but yeah, I thought that was interesting, you know. Yeah. So, so South Africa, and you said you were from Cape Town. Cape Town, yeah. right? So. What was that like growing up? I mean, you, you, you've now experienced two very oh, yeah. different cultures, I would assume. Yeah, very, very, very different. And South Africa's had several different cultures just through my lifetime. Um, and what I mean by that is I was born in 83, uh, which is around the time and, and, and early to the time that my country has some bad history in terms of segregation and that kind of thing. Um, and that was normal back then. We didn't really see it where I was growing up, but it, 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 it was in the country and it was around and then the unity of South Africa in 94, when um, basically they, they removed all of that segregation officially, even though really the, uh, the persecution, all that crazy stuff, really ended when I was about six years old. But growing up in that period until 1994, we were boycotted from international travel, international music, international movies. We didn't see anything that you guys see. Wow. So I grew up listening to uh, Buddy Holly and like Elvis Presley. And that's what I listened to because that's all the American stuff that was available if you've ever heard any Afrikaans folk music, which, um, yeah, um, go Google that, guys. Check, check that out. Uh, how long can you last listening to that uh, is my question to you. Comment below if there's any place to comment. But, um, like, that stuff will just drive you crazy, man. All the songs sound the same. Anyway, so long story short, so I'm growing up, right, in middle America, right, in the 50s and 60s, and, like, this diner style where, like, a lot of South Africa was, like, copied from America as we westernized. That was my dream of America, right? And then in 1994, we get our first global hit that comes on the radio. It is the first song allowed into South Africa that is international. This is 94? Uh, 1995, yeah. Uh, 94, we changed. In 95, they lifted the radio bands and everything. It's got to be something like Ace of Bass or I Saw the Sign Worse. or something. <laughs> okay, what was it? Spy Girls Wannabe. Wannabe, oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. Every radio station, listen, none of us have had a taste of international music, probably in a generation. Um, the Spice Girls is being played 80% of radio time. That particular one song. Yeah. Um, the TV at the time, um, inexpensive broadcast, didn't have money to be able to afford international product. Um, so when they did, they could buy a music video and it would play after the news and before the, the, the movie. And then they would also play a song after the movie. We didn't have um, MTV. And once the, the, the music video plays after the movie, TV's off. You get that signal sunk. The 1K tone yeah. with a picture, with the with lines and all the colors for your yeah. calibration. You get that from probably about, okay, originally it was 8 p.m. right after the news. There wasn't a movie. Now it was like 10, 10.05, including adverts and stuff. So 10.05, TV is off. And broadcast only recommences the next day at like 2 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> wow. 
Wow. So Can yeah, a very different world, you know, uh, to 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 grow up in that, and then uh, coming through um, coming through ninety four, ninety five, and onwards, and then just seeing what the rest of the world was like really opened me up to wanting to go and travel, and then that's how I got onto cruise ships. Huh. So. What what did you do, being that it was so different? Like, what was it like as a child and teenager growing up in South Africa? What was it? I mean, what was your hobby? What was what did you do to pass time other than education and? Okay, whatnot? well, when when we got started as a family, and my earliest memories was us moving. Uh, my dad trying to get us a better life, uh, moving from one part of our neighborhood to another, a newer part. Trying to get a bigger house, trying to get going. My uh, my dad's a, um, an ophthalmologist. He's an eye surgeon. Um, but obviously, as you come out of uh, out of college and university, having studied to be a doctor, you've been in there for seven to nine years. So it's a lot of debt that you've got to replay. And we weren't always the best off at the time that I grew up, but um, we really grew into some means as my father helped to grow and maintain that. So as a kid, you know, uh, if I wasn't a boy, I'd probably have nothing to play with. But uh, yeah, so lots of hand-me-downs, playing outside with tires and sticks. You know, a stick is a golf club. It's a lightsaber. It's a gun. Yeah. Um, a stick and a stone. Hey, you're playing baseball, man. <laughs> so, and then obviously as we got older, a little bit more means, um, we got into sports. Rugby and cricket is what we play as opposed to, you know, football and baseball for you guys. Really the same thing, but just different yeah. style. And uh, yeah, and then when I was 13 was when my RC dream was born. I got my very first RC was a King Blackfoot. Oh yeah, My brother loved it so much. He got a Midnight Pumpkin. <laughs> <laughs> we were on stick radios, so that's what got me into RC. A big day of racing for us down at the school. Uh, obviously, I was thirteen at the time, so you know, like grade seven. If a dude showed up with a couple of cones, so we could define a track, and somebody made a wooden jump, and we had four people, which was enough to race. That was like a massive race day. Yeah. Massive. We'd have a lady on the back. As you go over the jump, you may not have the same color body because she can only count black, white, blue. She can't see the colors. You know, it's too fast for her. And cars are super slow back then. Right. But you'll mark it like black dude, you know, like as you go in the air. And if you miss the jump, you don't get the lap because she didn't see you <laughs> go in the air. <laughs> so anyway, that's how we raced back there, man. And that was fun. We're just playing out on a rugby field on the grass. Like they say, literally grassroots level, just having fun, what it's all about. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, the, uh, I mean, I guess we all need to give credit to Tamiya. I Tamiya. think so. Um, in 87 was my first uh, vehicle. I was seven, and it was a Falcon. A Falcon. Matter of fact, um, a friend of mine rebuilt the Falcon one Christmas about five years ago. He, uh, he bought two lots of Falcons on eBay yeah, and then built me one that looks brand new. That's awesome. Yeah, gave it to me for Christmas. So that was real neat because that's, that's kind of where it all started for me. I didn't actually race until I was in my early teens, um, like I was telling you earlier, yeah. down in Denver at uh, Chad Brockman's place, more RC. And, uh, yeah, that's uh, we all owe Tamaya, once again, the pronunciation, Tamiya, Tamaya, yeah. tomato, tomato, yeah. right? <laughs> but um, we all owe them a, uh, a token of gratitude because so. they, uh, they kind of had a hobby version of toy cars, that has since grown into what are what I would consider race cars. I agree. These cars now are just they're phenomenal. Yeah, yeah. Like something else. Really, the engineering and the innovation that goes into them, they're every bit as good as a full-scale car, just as tunable, if not more. So. Absolutely. So no soccer, football for you? Actually, um, I really sucked at soccer. Um, I was a good cricket player. Um, and somehow, even though I was really small, I just kept getting selected for the rugby team 
I guess because I played a position nobody else wanted to play. Um, it's called hooker. Yeah, yeah that's, that's you look like one. a hooker. <laughs> so <laughs> hooker is, if you've ever seen a scrum, a scrimmage, is when uh, the front three guys, one dude is in the middle and he binds over the other two guys and then they go down into the scrum. You're the dude in the middle. It's a very highly taxing, very highly physical position that you normally want a very strong very big and probably carrying some extra weight kind of guy because when he hits the other team, you want him to push him back. You want to make that ground. You want to win the ball, even if they're putting it in. Uh, with that being said, I was not that guy. I was the lightest guy on the team. I was relatively quick, but uh, my anatomy is a little bit skewed. My legs are like 65% of my body length. So I could steal the ball from behind their second row and bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> So that's so what they, I was doing. they figured out a, another way to use you, the yeah. hooker, versus the traditional way right. of pounding it. And you, you just would kind of, you had a back doorway. Yeah, but I'd get stretched off after every scrum. <laughs> and then they put me back on because there's a scrum, and the other guy was the big guy, and he couldn't reach the ball even on our first line, let alone b behind their first line. Jeez. I could hook it from their locks from behind their first line. I could literally illegally as well because you're not supposed to lift both legs, but I would swing literally like grab and like hook it back like that and just hook the ball back into my scrimmage. We'd get the ball probably 80% of the time on their throw and 100% of the time on my throw when that guy's probably only getting it 70% on our throw. Wow. So, you know, but then I'm getting hurt, man. Um, so they try to move me because I no longer wanted to get crushed in the scrum. So they try to move me to um, what's called outside center. You guys would probably call it like a linebacker. Okay. Right. So linebacker is going to take some crash ball. He's going to get past the ball. His job is to crash. But I was so small. So I would try and sidestep, and you would hear the crowd every time. We'd be like, ah, because I'd get through, and then the fullback would hit me and shoot. Oh. And then i get stretched <laughs> off again, concussion. <laughs> so, and that was worse, because the other one was just, they were just squeezing the life out of me and maybe fracturing bones, I don't know. And it was sore, and I'd go down. But they'd knock me out when they'd tackle me like that, and then I'd be off for the match, and I stopped playing rugby. Yeah, that sounds um, pretty taxing on the body. Yeah, I, well, I played a lot of football a and hockey, but... Um, you played hockey, eh? A lot of hockey. Field hockey or ice hockey? Ice hockey. Ice hockey's cool. I wish yeah. we played ice hockey. Ice hockey only took off when, when I was leaving school, so I'd have loved to have played more ice hockey. I think I'd have been pretty good at that. Yeah, my high school um, in Colorado, where I grew up, didn't have hockey yet, and so I played travel travel hockey and i was part of a team that was really good that's awesome and um i i miss those days and i i wish they had uh, a rink here they were supposed to build one up by the coastal carolina university not yeah. too long ago and it got canceled and then um, but wilmington and charleston both have them but they're both hour and a half two hours away yeah and i'd love to go play some men's league but they've got roller hockey close here oh yeah roller hockey yeah rollerblading yeah i just I, I really don't have the desire i'm more of a ice hockey kind of guy it's different it's very different i played some roller hockey too um where we played with a ball no puck as well just straight roller hockey and it was out on um it's like a basketball field we had field hockey you're playing on a on um, that like really hard concrete it's almost like a tennis court that was a lot of fun but it's it's different man it's it's not the same um the ball doesn't behave the same as the puck um yeah. you don't you know you don't play the same way necessarily Ice yeah. hockey is a lot more aggressive. Yeah, a lot more aggressive. And I love that part. Yeah, I like that too. So. I was a scrapper, so <laughs> always a little feisty. Um, for those of you who are hearing the noise, we're we're getting a hurricane coming through here tomorrow, and it's starting yeah. to rain a little bit. So if uh, if this sounds like something's going on, it's because it's pouring. Yeah, so. I, I, I can hear the static in my earphones. So yeah, they're, they're gonna hear that. Yeah, sorry about that, guys. Yeah, I mean you can't. 
can't help Mother Nature. Yeah, yeah, it's coming down for sure, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So you got here in... 16. 2016, yeah. so that's eight years, uh, six years ago. Six yep. years. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you moved here, did you feel like instantly like relieved or excited or was it more just like you know a little nervous because it's so different or what was it like when you first got to america so that's that's something that i I don't really get to talk a lot about and it's it's sort of interesting um i would describe my my life until now until recently that i became a citizen like being on a craps table when you don't necessarily want to be and what i mean by that is as a um, permanent resident there's all sorts of things that could happen that could very easily cause you to 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 go home. Um, let's say let's say you're falsely accused and then indicted of a crime and you prove to be innocent. An indictment can very possibly get you deported and thus blacklisted in the U.S. Now, considering my rent, which is my lease, my my job, my wife was here, or everything was here, right? So if that happens, I lose everything. So it's almost like you're on the table on the craps table. You're waiting for that guy to roll that seven so you can come on the board, and now you just hope he doesn't roll another one. And, bro, sevens come. So sevens like um, we had the 2018 fire wiped out our whole town. Yep. Um, you know, stuff like that. Um, so that's that's been difficult, and then sort of trying balancing everything. But recently becoming a citizen, now I can finally feel the fruits of my labor are secured. Um, they're mine now. I get to stay. Yeah, so I saw that on Facebook a uh, couple last week or week before and uh i didn't know that you weren't already a citizen yeah um, as our relationship has been growing over the last year or so um you know that's that's awesome and and kudos to you you know most people that are going to listen to this and who know me know that i'm i'm america you know america all the time that's what i came here for man so i'm all about it but i'm all about people coming here as long as they do it the the legal the right way, way the yes. right way and and i would do the same if i was going to do go somewhere else and um the fact that you did it, it doesn't matter your race color creed gender anything uh, to me it doesn't matter as long as you do it the right way i did yeah we, i don't believe this country should be supporting people that are here not to be you know to support the rest of the country right. just like we have to so right you know right. thank you and kudos yeah. to you for doing it the, the right way yeah and 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 more to that subject you know i i came to america because i liked america and i wanted to be american i didn't come here to make your country like mine i don't want to change anything absolutely in thank fact you. in fact i don't want you guys to change anything just how you are just stay like don't change anything that's what i came here for i literally saw what it was and now, if it changes now, well, that's not that's not what I was looking for. It's still better than <laughs> that's what I funny had. because you wrong. you moved here and you moved to California, where they're like a different country and they're trying to change everything for us. And that's that's what that's <laughs> what made me uh, when when I was saying earlier that 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 comparison for me when I was like, hey, this this is like California, you know, L.A. and Hollywood and everything's here, right? So America is the movies, right? And you see it's in the movies, and it's sort of what this promised as the promised land is that American. You know the Americanism, the American style. Uh, you know diners, like 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 I explained a little bit earlier. And California just wasn't that. And then that's what North Carolina has been for me when I moved over there. Now, so I've been really happy to have uh, been able to move to the other facility and 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 help us to grow out here. And now I'm in America. Yes, you are. You're in a, a part of America that's very. The original America. America, you the know, original. like original. We don't even use the A anymore. No, we're America. we're all about America. So, 
But North Carolina, and, and you're in Charlotte, beautiful, like, city of Charlotte's awesome. Lovely. The, 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 the amount of racing and people in Charlotte is unreal. It's race city. And I'm enjoying that. Yeah. I mean, if I've told my wife many a time, there's only a few places in this country that I would live. Charlotte, or in that area, is one of them. Um, Texas, there's a couple areas in Texas, Texas I would live. And I love Nashville. I love Nashville. Now, Nashville is becoming a little bit more like Austin and, you know, certain yeah. parts of California, but I love Tennessee. My wife's from Arkansas, so we've talked about, you know, where we would go if yeah. we could or whatever. But, um, yeah, Charlotte is awesome. and uh, I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm not seeing you guys' facility yet, so I don't know where it is in relation to the race shops, but if you haven't yet, um, definitely take some time because those facilities in those places are top-notch, like yep. technologically – just beautiful and yep. really cool. That is exactly. Are you what into I'm NASCAR right or anything like that? So I am um, into a lot of racing, and it's what got me into RC. Is that um, so? I can't afford a Formula One car. Yeah, who but can? I, but I'd like to race, and I'd like to dream that I could be Mayfield. I'm not going to be Mayfield. <laughs> I don't have the skill. We all dream to be. I'd like Mayfield. to dream, and um, you know, I, I dreamt to be Schumacher, and I couldn't be Schumacher. It just wasn't possible at all. So RC was, was, was my racing outlet. So yeah, um, NASCAR, not so much because we literally get zero coverage of it in um, South Africa and anywhere else that I'd been. I watch Formula One and I watch MotoGP. And then we have a Netflix account because my girl watches Netflix, but I'm literally watching racing all the time. Like that's all I watch. Yeah. So, <laughs> Formula One and MotoGP. So f- going back to being like Schumacher. Yeah. You know, you've got the GoPro go-kart complex right down the road from you. That is true. I should go check it out. It's it's more than down the road. I think it's an hour and a half. But uh, Yeah, but that's down the road. Because, like, yeah. for me, it's four, four and a half. You know, that would be somewhere that I would enjoy and, and Let's go. own a cart. Well, I mean, I, I go 100% into something. Let's go. I can't. Because I know what I'll do. <laughs> You're going to buy one. I know what I'll do. And my <laughs> wife won't let me go because she knows what I'll do. You know, like, we're... Um, I got a garage right near there. You can stick yours in my garage. You'll never know about Don't it. Don't ever say that again. <laughs> <laughs> Don't ever. I don't I'm know. all about racing, man, and I'm going to facilitate the addiction if I can. No, I, I thought you meant something else. Don't ever talk about it. You got to use different uh, <laughs> analogies. <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've been told in the past there's, there's some stuff that, um, that I shouted on the driver's stand that caused all of our drivers to stop once. Um, somebody had taken a driver out on the driver's stand and I was on the mic calling race and um, excuse me guys, but it's, this is a joke. So, you know, hopefully you don't take it. Like, man, down the back straight away there, the yellow car just rubbed the white one out. You can't do that. You've got to give the place back. <laughs> and everyone stopped racing. They were like on the track and they're like, what did this guy just say? <laughs> and then somebody told me afterwards what I'd said. And I'm like, yeah, you know, rubbing's racing. And he's like, no, no, but that means something else here. Yeah, in the you US said rubbing come. out. Oh, my God. Rubbing so one out. That was, you know, I'm still, there's, there's, there's still some of those terms. I don't know. You, you have to tell me after the podcast what you thought I was saying. Let's not go down that road now, but <laughs> that's not what I was trying to say. Robert, you have to remind me because I might forget. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll take care of that. I don't want to bring it out on the mic. Let's talk about it later. <laughs> I don't know what, what, what was misconstrued, but yeah, we were... Uh, oh, no, it, it meant exactly what you said. I, yeah. I get it 100%. You can... You can you can park your go-kart at my house without your, 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 your wife knowing you have one at home. Okay. Is what I meant. A much more PC than what my <laughs> dirty mind went to. I don't know what it went to, but we'll find out later. 
Well, um, so I, I did a lot of go-kart racing, but oval, dirt oval. But Red. I would love to do some uh, some of that. You know, like yeah. uh, there's a lot of the RC racers that, that go up there. Oh, um, yeah. Danny Stockman, the Car- Dave Carmendy, Katie Carmendy. A lot of the guys that are in that Charlotte area utilize that facility quite a bit. So Ooh, that'd be a, that. a good place to, even if you just go and watch and hang out and wrench on somebody's stuff. But, yeah, if I, if I got a go-kart, it's like it's over. It's I'm traveling it would RC. I'm a, I'm only going to RC races that uh that I need to, and if I'm going to compete, I'm going go kart racing. So that's why I don't have one. That's what happened with me with motorcycles. Is so I get back into RC racing. I start racing again. I'm jonesing the race. I work for uh, for 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 A Main. I see the cars all day long every day. I'm racing. I'm involved with our program. I'm calling races, and pretty soon my my um, my now ex wife then wife says to me. Hey man, like, why don't you just rent a room like at the track? Because like, you can just save money and not come home. Because you're just there all the time. Like, you see a racetrack after work more than what you're seeing me right now. And I was like, wow, yeah, this this has become, you know, a problem for me. I guess I was, you know, didn't have it before, and now it's just all freely available and just getting too heavily into it. So anyway, um, goes goes down the line. It's been a couple of years, three or four years, and I managed to save some money, four thousand dollars, and I bought myself a motorcycle, a Yamaha R1. Oh, and yeah. then yeah, so now now that's what that's year are one? Oh five. So the uh, the last one before they started putting on you know lean angle sensors and ABS and traction control and um, it's all right here for me. It's yeah. all in the in the wrist. So that's where it should be. I mean, it it it, it keeps it um, it keeps it real, and I think it keeps it really entertaining. But at the point that I'm getting to now, where I'm starting to push the the, the limit of myself as well as the motorcycle. Um, it's beginning to get dangerous without the aids. Um, and what I mean by that is um, if I go into a corner and I make a mistake, I'm going into a, probably a tie wall at about 90 to 100 miles an hour. And uh, that's not going to be good. Uh, if you have any, um, any rider aids like lean control, slide control, uh, my biggest fear is the high side. Um, just happened so quickly. Never happened to me yet. I've saved several. Um, and then also just going into the, uh, the back straightaway, like I did at my last track day, grab my brakes, not fade, nothing. Oh, yeah. Full it lever, went away. gone. I had to shift down in the first and then just rear brake, rear brake, because your, um, yeah. your whole hydraulic fluid system's fed from the same pod, so I got no rear brake, no front brake, and I must have been doing you down couldn't the pump straight. it or anything, just was nothing. gone. I was busy getting ready to yeah. <laughs> jump off that thing, bro. Yeah. So, well, yeah. So, yeah, I raced motorcycles a long time and uh, lost my kidney, broke my back. I, oh man! I know the I know yeah. the ins and outs of taking what, uh, hard ones. But what did you race? Speedway bikes and, oh, and four yeah. wheelers. Yeah, so I was really into flat track and, and, and racing. But uh, and I wasn't really great at it. Not That's like I, real racing. That it's yeah, we're awesome. just track daying for fun, you know. We're not like even for position. It's just out there for, for yeah and giggles. But that's that's some gnarly racing. It's ballet on two wheels. Like speedway bikes is. By far one of the most entertaining types of racing you'll ever watch. Right. They're so close for four fast laps. I mean, just balls of the wall Is it sideways. Just four, laps? four laps, four riders. Wow. Sure I mean, seems that's, longer that's than speedway. that. No, that's that's speedway. Yeah. It just it's it's kind of like an its own classification yep. of racing. Yep. Um but we did it on ice. You were one of the ice racers. I've watched that like a yeah. hundred times. Those bikes are super gnarly. If you make a mistake, they've got all sorts of studs in their tires, mm. and you are getting punted to the outside along with two bikes. Yeah. So is that what happened with the kidney? 
No, what happened for me was I went to avoid a crash and went inside and caught a rut, and my bike just hooked and went straight into a wall. Mm-hmm. And I hit the wall head on so hard that the back of the front tire was touching the front of the back tire. I oh. tacoed the bike, but it flung me over the wall, basically into the the front. What's crazy is there was people sitting where I hit the seats because it's in a hockey arena. Wow. And there was people that were sitting there. However, they were up because they all went to go look at the guy that just crashed in front of me that I'm trying to avoid. They all uh-huh. got up to look, and I ended up in their seat, oh, man. my back to their seat, and I bounced yeah. back. So I got up, and uh, I was kind of dinged up, and my head was spinning, oh, yeah. and my dad came up to me, and I was like, get me another bike. <laughs> He's like, no. And I was like, get me another bike. He said, oh, you're not getting another bike. You're turning blue. It's like, what do you mean I'm turning blue? I feel fine. My adrenaline was just kicking. Oh uh, yeah, and you and damaged your kidney, and you're busy flooding. My with kidney all of your was in thirty pieces. They said when they took it out, and I had fractured L four, L five, and um, I had a carbon fiber back brace on. Like I was, you know, I was full blown protected, Damn. but there's not nothing that can stop that force. You know. Yeah. So yeah, that was a fun trip to the hospital. Yeah. You know, yeah. fun week. Um, yeah, that's pretty. Learned crazy, to walk man. again afterwards because my whole insides I had to learn to shit again i had learned everything it was bad for a little while there damn i was in a car accident fractured the similar vertebrae to ul4 l5 but nothing that crazy man one is just just fractured and ended up just being back pain for years that's mine the the back was actually saved it was the kidney side of things which you know in the grand scheme of things i was i was 20 when this happened so um i kind of quit drinking when i was 21 because i drank so much before that um, but once I started drinking alcohol again after 21 with one kidney, it was I was a cheap date, man. You could take me out one or two beers, and I'm drunk like you drank five shots of tequila. You know, like just oh, man. passed out. Yeah. If you didn't have to drive today, I'd say you know let's break open the fireball in the freezer over there. But uh, I don't want to uh, put you in in that kind of situation. Oh uh, yeah, maybe maybe we will in a minute. But I do have quite a long drive home. <laughs> hey, uh, real quick over here, my my audio's gone entirely gone. We can just carry on, but just make sure you're still getting a feed on the, still getting audio feed from me. Yeah. I can still hear you, so okay. we can still carry on. It's not like so weird. I wonder what's going on because his is doing the same thing. I wonder if it's just static outside, but I mean it's all wired, so it shouldn't be shouldn't be interfering. But maybe it's Lola snoring. No one can see, but my dog is sitting over here. She's got her own chair, and once we get our two extra cameras, she'll probably be in the shot next time. But uh, that's cool. I think she should be the mascot. My wife says the same thing all the time. She's like, you need to get Beach RC shirts. and Everybody loves she's dogs so and everybody loves Frenchies. Why wouldn't you Why wouldn't you have her be part of the show? Well, she already kind of is. I mean, yeah. she. Uh, everybody that follows me on social media knows Lola because that's she's part of my everyday ride. And yeah. um, there's probably more pictures of her on there than my daughter's, which is, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry about. But she's with me every day and they're not, you know. No, that's you know that's 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 great for me that's that's one of the things when i came to america um americans are family people they are about their communities um they are about making things better for everyone not just for themselves even though it's a it's it's, it's, it's a capitalist country but when i see that like i live vicariously through you man that's that's something that gives me a lot of joy when i see that because that's what i came for i appreciate that that was part of the promise so of it's that. not like that at home like in south africa it's more like uh, dog eat dog type of thing okay so I'm, I'm i'm not saying that south africans aren't gonna help people out like americans do but i i, I will say that 
the way in which I've been helped by all of my friends and Americans that I've met since I've been here, they've become like family to me more so than friends. Um, I mean, my friends will have sympathy for me and they will help me if they can. But in South Africa, because there isn't extensive means, you're barely making it yourself. So if somebody says to you like, hey, bro, like I just lost my job. It's hard like, to give up something to you when they barely have it for themselves. Exactly. <laughs> and and they've, they've, they've got their two kids and their wife and their dogs and, you know, their cats and their birds to feed. And that's obviously higher priority than what I'm going to be. So with that being said, it's not that they, they, they don't want to help me. It's just they, they don't have the means to help me. And I was absolutely blown away by... Um, the generosity of Americans. Um, I'm total outsider. I sound different. Um, so, um, you know, with that being said, there's no reason to help me. There, 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 there was nothing in it for them. Right. Um, a lot of South Africa and rest of the world where there just isn't the means is, well, if I'm going to give you something, well, then what's in it for me? Yeah, what do I get back for it? And, you know, um, that's, that's with people that know you or don't. Your family would love to help you, but they don't have the means. And the people that have the means is, well, what, what am I going to get back for that, right? And that's not what I found here in the U.S. Um, my friends that I've grown close with now, I see them as my brothers. Yeah. Like that's, that's the kind of bond that I have. And I have friends like that in South Africa too. I have one or two left or maybe three or four down there. And they're like brothers to me too. And they have helped me. There, there, there has been one that has literally given me the shirt off of his back. He's given me a job at his company. He's, you know, he's, he's helped me. So it's, it's not that it's doesn't exist it's just a lot fewer between because the means are a lot more scarce right so along those same lines what was it like kind of switching gears here a little bit but you what was it like when for you and everybody there at a main when paradise burnt and in, in, in the fires like i know yeah. from ordering from you guys and the situation and uh, it was awesome to see the the rc community rally around you guys helped us man a lot yeah and it that's the kind of stuff that i'm talking about people literally put money forth and donated to our campaign to help these people of a main hobbies which at the time maybe i mean i think there were 17 of us and um, one of us was was on the camera myself people maybe knew who i was maybe Maybe I wasn't, you know, that known back then. I was still very new. It was 2018. Um, and people just poured their hearts out to help us. And with that money, I was able to basically um, refurnish part of my new house, which then obviously took a massive foot off my head. If you don't have a bed to sleep in, life's going to become very difficult for you. Um, a couch to sit on, you know, you, you, you need to be able to take a load off somewhere. And if you just have enough money, to pay next month's rent, let alone a deposit, let alone a couch, let alone a bed. How are you going to live, let alone eat? Yeah. So that could have been the end of the road. And the RC community poured out to us and helped Amen. We distributed that money between all of the people that were affected. And um, yeah, thanks. You guys, you guys saved my butt, man. So you were one of the ones that lost your, your I lost everything, apartment yeah. or house or whatever? I almost died a couple of times that day, man. Um, if you want to hear about it, we can talk about it. But I, I, I remember there, 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 there was a part where um, I looked up and I said, well, I guess it's my time. Take me now. Yeah, man, that still gives me goosebumps now. So um, my uh, now ex-wife, um, she had just done chemotherapy the day before. I get a phone call, um, 7.30 in the morning. I'm getting ready to go down to work. Um, I'm actually in the bathroom. And I think it's funny. My mates called me, huh? <laughs> Um, I'm on the pot, bro. <laughs> you caught me. He's like, listen, bro, this ain't no joke, bro. This is no joke. And I'm like, what, you don't think it's funny? He's like, 
do you see what's outside, dude? And I'm like, yeah, the sunrise. It's like, that's not the sunrise, dude. The sun ain't up yet, bro. It's November, bro. That is a fire. You need to move now. And I was like, wait, what? And I remember opening my bathroom window and like looking off the, like, I'm still on the pot, right? I'm like, oh my God, like our town is on fire, dude. So I wake up, like I immediately, you know, finish, jump out, haven't showered yet. Tell my wife, listen, embers are raining outside. Our town is being engulfed in fire. We need to leave now. We don't have time. All you have time for is grab some valuables. I need you to get the dogs. I'm readying the car. We need to go now. So we run outside. We load up in the car. Um, we start getting out, but it's already gridlocked. And you, you, you can't get out. There's only three ways out of paradise. Um, one is Skyway, which is where the fire was coming from. One was Clark Road, which is where the fire had jumped to and the wind had pushed it up both of those roads. And the other way was out and around Megalia, which that fire is going to burn up and catch that road in just a second. And we were just all sitting ducks. We were stuck there. Um, they Jeez. stopped us. Yeah, gnarly, man. They stopped us on uh, Skyway. They said, you can't go down there. Vehicles that are driving down, their tires are bursting from the heat of the, of the asphalt. It's so hot. It's bursting tires. We have to send you down Clark. And then the fire jumped to there, as I said, and um, the police were taking only five cars at a time through so that we could drive at a high enough speed that our tires wouldn't overheat. And then they would come back and get some more. And then they'd take some from Clark and some from Skyway and some from Clark and some from Skyway. And there was literally a T-junction that road just. So um, it's our turn to go now. We go out and um, the smoke is so thick I can't see anything. The car in front of me stops and I'm starting to panic, running out of fuel. My car's low. Um, we're not going to make it. I can't see anything. The vehicles have stopped and a, um, a policeman comes running through the fire and hits on our window and says, get out now if you want to live. And he runs. Gone. I don't even know where he's gone. Um, we get out of the car. I grab the dogs under each arm like this. My, my ex-wife can barely walk. She's trying to walk and run down the road. Um, we run down the road. We see a firefighter. He says... Um, no, what, what, what are you guys doing on foot? You guys are supposed to be in vehicle. You can't be on foot. And you're going to die of smoke inhalation. I'm like, well, we've been told, like, the, 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 the road was blocked. There was no way for us to get through. He says, no problem. Um, you just keep walking down the road. It's not 30 seconds later. I hear this guy, right, running. And I look behind me, and it's the firefighter. And he says, run for your life. Run now. Run now. And he's running, dude. And we just start running behind him, and we're trying to catch him. So he and I, um, as we're running, we're like looking around for opportunity to get out. The fire's moving faster than we can run. We need to get out now. So we start, the fireman, he has some authority, starts telling vehicles to get off the road. We're taking people out of the vehicles and putting them in the back of trucks to minimize the traffic to get these people out. I see an opportunity to try and get out, and I start to help to coordinate this. We get in the back of a truck. 300 yards later, we stop gridlocked again, cars stuck there, somebody's locked his car in the middle of the road, abandoned there. Um, we run down the road again. That's the second time now. The fire's going to catch us. Uh, we get into a school bus. Um, the school bus stops not even 10 yards from where we took off. And I'm like, what are you doing, man? The road's clear ahead of us. we got to get out of here. And he's like, dude, this old age home here, bro, they've left them, bro. There's nobody coming to get these people, man. We have to get them out. The school bus is the last of our transport. We've got to get them out. And obviously now I'm looking around thinking to myself, well, my only way out is on foot or to help. And if I help, I can make up the time by being in the bus that I would have had on foot. Let me help and try and get these people out. We get them out. We get them on the bus. We get driving. Um, 
we try to go around part of the road and the bus high centers. Jesus Christ. And now we have to get these people out. And th- that, that was now the, 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 I guess I almost died four times that day because the fourth one's in just a second. So we get out and, and we, we, we bring all of these people, right? Um, some of them I'm trying to carry. Some of them we're pulling on bags and we're trying to help these people get out, right? Um, and now these trucks are coming. They're still coming down. These trucks are fully loaded with people in the back. And I start looking in the back, 20, 30-year-old men and women, and, I, and the, the cars are only moving as fast as we can walk at this point. And the fire is still closing in. But it's only moving as fast as we can walk. And these people cannot walk. So I've told these people, and I was wearing an S-Works jacket at the time. It said S on it. So they thought I was police. It had a star. You know, the S-Works star, yeah. and it's a black <laughs> puffy jacket. So they think I'm police. And I'm demanding that people remove themselves. They can walk from the vehicles to walk next to the vehicle so we can load these elderly people that were in this home because they're unable to walk, broken hips, um, you know, have heart problems, arthritis. Let's put them in the vehicles instead. And we start getting out and these vehicles leave from the point that we're at and we get to a safe hold where the firemen are at. And um, I still remember saying to him, where's, where's, where's your hold? And he says, oh, it's just over there. And he's busy doing stuff. And I'm like, that metal building that's on fire? Yeah, we're, that's like a stove, man. Like, we're done. Where's your evac? Where's your route? And he says, this is it. This is the end of it. We're being closed in right now. We hope to make it out. And then that was the time that I, I remember looking up and saying, all right, big man, I guess my time has come so that I could help those people to get out. And my whole life, you know, training on the cruise ships for crowd management, for security, for muster station as an evacuee management yep. when I was an art auctioneer, that's what all my training was for, right? You know, like they say, everything has a purpose in life and everything happens for a reason. Yep. Those were my reasons. Well, it's, it's not many people, thankfully, have to use those skills or that right. training. And, and fortunately, somebody, you right. know, that you had them for your situation. Right. So, uh, wow. and this is, this is how it ends. It ends in, in I, I believe, an absolute miracle. There was no ways, because the road is gridlocked behind us, and I've witnessed this myself, and all of the roads are gridlocked, and any moving vehicles that were free have moved out. And I remember almost crying and being like, I'm ready now, but like, take me. And um, hearing something and looking back over my shoulder, I couldn't believe it, man. And as I see coming through the smoke, another vehicle from the gridlocked area, empty in the back says where are you going i said chico says that where you're going said anywhere you're going get me out of here and they took us out of there that's a miracle there's no way in my mind logically that another vehicle could have been coming from that direction at all we've just been down that whole road and all of those only feed into skyway they do not go they they they, they just go skyway and then they go out mostly all those roads are gridlocked so i I really believe that was a a a real life miracle yeah sounds like it so what what about the uh I mean, I'm still in shock that I didn't know that you guys were all that endangered. I, I figured, yeah, you know, I, obviously we could watch the fires from a, from yeah. afar, yeah. but I didn't know that it was as, as in-depth as actually running from the fire by foot right. versus like evacuating a, a day before or the day of because right. it was coming and they said, like, ah, go ahead and so now's a good time. But the uh, wind that caused the disaster um, down in Konkau, which was related to an over a hundred year old, I don't know exactly the, 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 the number of years, but over a hundred year old transistor hook that had rusted and just not been maintained. And the wind was so extreme that day that it broke it off. That's at a much lower elevation. The direction in which the wind was blowing that day was directly towards paradise. So if you took a fire lighter 
and you hold your fire lighter flat and you light it, the flame begins. And if you turn the fire lighter, it still goes up. It accelerates upwards. Right. And if you turn the fire lighter and blow, now it's jumping up the hill. And that's what it was doing. We literally had, I think they, they, the fire was detected to be started early in the morning. I think they said around four. By the time that we even got um, notice that there was fire, there were raining embers in my yard. Wow. So. Did any of the other A-Main employees have the similar situation where they were, you know, whisked out or did they yeah. have warning? Um, some some of them did. And um, there is a fourth road, which is Pence Road, which links to Skyway. Um, and the fire, the way that it had come into the town, some people were able to get out on Pence Road and didn't have a similar experience. Some of the guys, like uh, one of my friends, James, um, he told me about when he was driving down Pence Road, he was in his Jeep. You know how the Jeep has that plastic around the back? That stuff all melted off of his vehicle. No fire touching the vehicle, but yeah. because of the heat melting off of his vehicle, um, he his car was totaled because of fire damage. Um, you know, something like that. So, yes, um, all throughout the town, um, I'm not the only one that had an experience like this. I'm, I'm, I'm not a hero. I'm just one of many people that, that had something happened to them and reacted to the situation. And there's a lot of people that can tell you stories like that. There's a documentary on Netflix as well. Um, I, I didn't want to be a part of that. I didn't, I didn't feel that what I did was for media. No, most I of didn't, the time people do things because they care, not because they looking it was, for it. It was what I could do at the time. Absolutely. So, and also it was my own survival rolled into that as well. So, yeah. you know, with, with that being said, um, we all got to do what we got to do sometimes in life. And, you know, when, when shit hits the fan, then it's when you find out what you're made of. And luckily, I wasn't made out of something soft. I was made out of something a little bit harder. And no, that's awesome. I'm still here today. Thank goodness. Absolutely. Man, that's, um, you know, like you said, it, the the community rallied. You know, yeah. I was still seeing people wearing uh, the shirts. And, yeah. um, and, and that was a tough time. I, I think anybody that cares about people specifically doesn't matter right what car you drive or what company you work for and it, it, you know if it's if we're talking just industry um people actually care about people they and, do. and that's it's it's refreshing it is because we can argue all day online about uh <laughs> you know my engine's better than yours or you know these tires suck or those tires are great we can argue 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 but at the end of the day we're all still human and we're right. all you know we, we still should care i agree and that's important so that's I was when when I talked to uh, to Brandon Rody, you know, when he called me and asked, I was like, "Dude, there's no fucking way I'm not going to support yeah. anybody. I, doesn't matter who it was, you know. I'm, I I think I'm, not everybody has to donate or has to help, and I know a lot of people would help in other ways if they could. But when you a lot have of the opportunity, yeah, hundred percent. They sent us clothes. They sent us shoes. Um, people sent us gift cards. Uh, one of the races. And I'm so sorry, I can't remember which race it was. I really feel sorry that it's slipping my mind right now. I've been thinking about it because I wanted to mention this race specifically. They made their entry fee Visa gift cards. And they sent us all of the Visa gift cards. And then they distributed those. Some of them were just straight Visa gift cards. Some of them were gas cards. Some of them were supermarket cards. Um, they were things that we needed to buy to live that we didn't have. Like, yeah. We didn't know if our house was still standing or not. You know, Post the fire, we obviously found out that literally a large percentage of the town was wiped out. Um, some of it survived. A lot of it's still there. Don't get me wrong, but very few people return to the town. It's not going to be the same for years and years and years to come. It's been now 
four years, right? And it's it's nowhere near what it was. Um, but anyway, so long story short on that is um, we didn't know if our house was there or not. You know, so you don't want to be going out and renting a place because you don't know if when this fire is done, like you might be able to go home, right? The people that did get to go home, my house wasn't there anymore. The people that did get to go home, it wasn't home anymore. Yeah. It was a burnt charcoal mess of what used to be. And now your house survived. I hate to say it, but you may even have been, in some cases, for some people, Luckier better off. if it did burn. If it burned, because then you could just take whatever help or insurance you had at the time and then resettle. Now, I was new in America. I had absolutely no insurance, no renter's insurance, no help, no nothing. Just came here with a shirt on my back from South Africa. Even that burned. Yeah. I had my, 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 my college denim jacket that I used to wear. I had like my, my baseball hat that I loved so much, you know, like heirlooms from my own life um, that I brought. I lost everything. There is nothing left at my mom and dad's house. There's no yearbooks. There's no photographs. I brought all that stuff because I knew otherwise if I was going to want to show my friends and family here, right. when I made friends and family, that I wouldn't be able to take them to South Africa just to show them that. So I brought it with me. Right. So anything that meant anything to me, evaporated that day man yeah yeah sorry to be so somber maybe no, we get no, on to something you know no, well, no, that's it's the, it's a story honestly, of resilience really yeah. rather than sadness is um how far i've come since then and not just me but and and that's what i was talking about you know um when i came to america and how americans have been to me you guys saved me man yeah. like literally saved me you didn't just say oh how sad i don't have the means to help people that didn't have shirts themselves gave me the shirts off of their backs to wear. I had people coming from our local hobby shop asking to come into the warehouse. Literally, I'm not even kidding, giving me their jackets, dude. Like saying, and I'm like, but you don't have one. He's like, I'll just get another one, dude. Just giving me their jackets. Yeah. Weeks later, seeing that guy still walking around doing his job cold without a jacket. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like that's the kind of, kind of that's like. That's humanity at its finest. It really is. And that's, really that's what we lack right now, so much division. You know, that's, that's, that's something that as an outsider and coming into America, um, anyone that's come from outside of America is going to maybe see or say something like this. But I, I call to you on, on, on Americans here. Let's unite. Let's no longer be divided. That's what's hurting this country. It's the only thing that's hurting this country is this division and this idea that because you don't subscribe to the exact school of thought that I do, that you are my enemy. That's not true. Not we must close. learn to talk about these things. We must learn to, when they say don't talk about sex, religion, politics, it's because those people don't want you to talk about it because they want to polarize you. Yeah. Because it's easier to lead a divided and polarized nation um, for whatever reason. But if we unite, and I've seen it in South Africa in 1994, um, True greatness can once again be achieved. And I'm not saying we don't have true greatness. I'm sure. just saying that it synergistic can be growth can be achieved if um, not, I'm not specifically talking about political parties or I'm saying like, I know people that hate each other because one guy rides Yamaha and the other one rides a Suzuki. Sure. But they both have kids that are in the same school, play soccer together. Why are they not friends? Why are they not it's having play dates? But he's my enemy because he doesn't have a Suzuki. He's got a Yamaha. Now, not everyone's like that, but that's the kind of polarized, uh, you know, divisive. Um, yeah, I think I think that's that's the only thing I would change is to bring us all together. The way that I've seen you guys all welcome me, so yeah. it's in us. 
It we is. can do it. We have it. Let's use it. We're 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 lacking in in making sure that humans are are you know remain humans. We're, That's we're what not it is. robots. We're not. Uh, we shouldn't be suppressed and not have feelings. But we also need to learn that you and I think totally different. Exactly. Whether and we also do or don't. that we think differently does not mean that we're enemies. No. And actually, I should be asking you, hey, so, you know, um, so we've got a, a number on the table here. It looks like a six to me, but it's a nine to you. You're calling it how, how you see it, and I'm calling it how I see it. And in order to understand what you see, I've got to come to your side a little bit and have a look at Such what you're looking at. Such a good analogy. At. That is amazing. They, I, I'm going to use that. I, that. You can't explain what's going on any better. Exactly. And without being able to, and, and, and this is where that's so wrong, don't talk about those, those three things like they say. If we all talked and understood each other better, that's where that unity can be achieved. So I feel people are making the effort these days to do that kind of thing. I do see the change, but I also see a lot of polarizing, especially around these times now where um, there's time to vote and there's elections and there's a lot of campaigning. Um, rather than pulling people together, they, they try to make the other look bad. Yep. So, yeah. Anyway. Well, we talked about that with RC. Yeah. You know, it, instead of bad-mouthing uh, a hobby shop down the road or at a website, uh, you know, that you're, I'm a competitor with. Right. I'd rather unite with them somehow and we sell their product, they sell ours, or, you know, help tell them like get racers you know and 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 they can race at our track and then they'll you're they're your yeah. customer we're not you know the the people are so it, it goes back to only what you like matters and and that you know are only what what i think is right right and if we if we keep continuing like that we're going to stay divided right and, and the the one thing that we're not hearing when it comes to politics and elections is I want America to be good. All we're hearing is, this is what I'm going to do, that's what I'm going to do, this is what I don't want or not going to do. And like you said, it's split down the middle. Right. Instead of, I mean, I believe a lot of things that, I, I mean, traditionally I vote red. Uh, I, mean, I just always have. It doesn't mean I won't vote for a, a Democratic candidate in any position. Right. Uh, the only reason I don't is, so far, everything that I'm knowledgeable about I haven't found anything that makes right. sense to me. I'm still so you know? new. I look both sides. Um, but what, what I struggle a lot with is um, during this time, this was the first time that I got to vote now being a newly minted citizen. Um, a lot of the campaigns, which I was trying to research and do this kind of thing, I visit their websites and I go read what they're about and go see all that kind of thing, um, which it has limited information. A lot of it can be very ambiguous um, also. So they're not really making actual promises that are founded on anything or anything that's actually tangible so it's very difficult to see what they stand for. And then a lot of the money that's spent on campaigning, rather than telling me why I should vote for you, is just telling me why I shouldn't vote for the other candidate. The other candidate, right. And throwing mud in the sand pit is just going to get sand in everyone's eyes and none of us are going to see where we're going. So let's rather spend our money telling your voters why you should vote for someone versus what the other person's the devil. Because making them look bad does not make you look good. Yeah. It just makes them look bad, but 100%. makes you look bad too. That's not the kind of humans and not the kind of I've never understood that. Do. I've never understood why. I mean, a perfect example of what you're talking about was like Kamala Harris talking about how bad <laughs> Joe, Joe Biden was going to be. And then becoming his VP. But then when she got 
taken out of the Democratic Party for to run for president when she got the chance to run, be his VP, the guy that should not be the president in her eyes. Right. Publicly spoke that at all the debates. Right. She jumped on it. Right. It just so, got, it just shows you how much they really don't care about what they're saying. Right. They're just trying to get that next step on the ladder right to become more powerful or more rich or or whatever yeah and that's 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 sort of scary but i i will tell you in contrast to what i've seen growing growing up in south africa i ended the story on a on a happy note there in unity in 94 95 and what's happened since is is if anyone's seen anything in the media about south africa it is all true and it is very sad um what has happened is a lot of open and blatant corruption and a lot of embezzlement and a lot of stealing so with that being said, I mean, this, this system here, even though we're microanalyzing and there are some faults, it's, it's pretty good, i got to say. I'm, I'm very happy with what I see. I just, there's those tiny little changes that I wish for us all more to unite, like I saw 94, 95 in South Africa with us. The whole country was in unison, in unity. Um, and then also, of course, considering the fact that I've seen what it's like when it goes really bad. And yeah. We're nowhere near there. No, but... Do you not think with your experience from what you've seen in South Africa that if we're not careful, we could go down the same road? I do. Like we're, le- we're kind of driving that road and not going off the, a path to, to get it corrected? I do. I do see a lot of similarities myself between um, how things have changed in the last number of years, in specifically in California where I was, which reminded me a lot of the precursor to our being unified in South Africa, which was like um, apartheid, the segregation. Um, and then basically what happened since then, it's a very idealistic um you know, all inclusive and uh, we should love all and we should do, you know, it sounds great until they go to implement it. um, And it's not possible and scalable for all. And then it becomes discriminatory. And then it becomes hated because you can only help certain people. And how do they get help? But others don't, that's not fair, right? Um, So it becomes it can become it can begin idealistically, and can be sound like a great idea to begin. But we've got to be very careful as we move forward that the solutions that we choose for the country as a whole are going to be something that's going to be scalable for all. And this is a very large country, so it's very difficult to scale anything. What you can scale is what you have. You already have it. Don't change it. That is scalable. It's already here. Yeah. Um, let's not move or change anything. Um, for me, at least, that's, that's the goal. But, you know, then again, you've got to move with the times. Yeah, I, I, I think you're... You're very right, and I hate that we have, from outsiders looking in, we probably look kind of silly, even though you say it's like... Not at all. Not don't at think all. so? I, I, I think that we kind of, with everything that's happened over the last couple of years especially, and I'm not talking just because of no, not Biden or whatnot, but just everything has kind of happened. I mean, we, you have countries that you know are corrupt. Yeah. You know, like, you know Russia is probably... It's possible. We'll just say they're hey, probably pretty corrupt. You, you got to be careful. You might get hacked. Bro. I, I've you know, been hacked. I mean, you're gonna those get guys, hacked by more. They coming for you now, bro. You just said that. My family's <laughs> my family comes from Russia. So, oh, they do. Yeah, but that doesn't mean anything. <laughs> but I just I feel like everything I've watched, I'm just kind of like sitting back, going, "Man, people got to be laughing at us right now." 
not, we're, not we're really. looking, we're, 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 we're working ourselves out of freedom instead of like keeping what everyone wants to come here for. We're like right. pushing ourselves away from what makes us so great. Right. And that to me is kind of like, what, what, why are people fighting this? Why are we trying to change? Th- now we don't want racism. We don't, you know, slavery, yeah, slavery is gone and, but we keep bringing it up. You know, the, the gender stuff is like, be whoever you are. But you're a human being, and these rules were put, were not even rules, just the way of life, have been put in place. We didn't put them in place, and we don't need to change them. Everything was working just fine. You know, we're never going to change bad people. Bad people are bad people. Exactly. They're always going to be bad people. Take care of the bad people. Don't change the entire society for a couple of bad acts. Exactly. So if somebody doesn't like, uh, you know, people that are gay, that doesn't mean that we don't like people that are gay. And, And... goes on to race and religion and whatever. Right. None of that matters unless you make it a big deal. Right. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't matter that there's hate or that, that somebody had yeah. something happen to them. That matters. But we can't change the world, or our, I shouldn't say the world, our country based on a small percentage of people. Right, exactly. We need to try to keep getting rid of the bad, but don't change all the good. Exactly. And I feel like I feel like that's, that's what... Um, like going going through California, one of the one of the big problems that we're having there with the expanding homelessness. If anyone's looked at poop maps of like San Francisco, like they literally it's unbelievable. It's crazy, right? So, with that being said, now um, mental illness is uh, sorry, not mental illness. Drug addiction is viewed as a mental illness. It's no longer a personal choice. So society is now included and brought into the fold at expense. That's where a lot of the taxation and money goes, and that kind of thing. I would guess. Um, I don't know a lot about it. I've only just become a minted citizen. So, but that's, that's for me, like, like you said, why are we changing? Why is everyone being penalized for one bad apple? Rather address the bad apple for what it is and try to make the bad apple a good apple and we can all carry on, but don't change anything, please. For the love of America, don't change what America is. It's what you came for. Yes. You know, you you hit it on the head with the, the, the problem is we don't punish the bad ones because of the people that think that they deserve some right. form of a right or some form of better treatment. Right. Eye for an eye, buddy. Yeah. You steal from me, I'm taking some freedom from you. Mm-hmm. You kill somebody, you're going on death row. Right. You know, just stop giving these people good treatment so that no one wants to go to prison. Exactly. Because a lot of these people just want to go to prison. Yeah. They, they like it because, face it. No yeah. rent. They get to work out. Their buddies are there. I don't think it's that good there, but oh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it hey, might be might be better than when what you're, they have otherwise. When you're one know. of the when you're in the system, it's hard to get out. It's and, true. And those people, like when they get out, a lot of those people, one of the reasons they commit a crime is because they have nowhere to go. They they yeah. get out and they're like, oh, I'm free. Where do I go? Right. Very few of them, you know, the good ones. They know they made a mistake in the past. They've been waiting to get out. They get out and they make choices to be better. Good for them. Those are the. That's the story I like. Yeah. That that person probably got in a fight and yeah. and, and and hurt someone real bad and, and maybe didn't even mean to. Spend his time. Have you heard uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s story? I haven't. Iron Man. Yeah, I love Iron. I Crack love addict, bro. Felon. Multiple felon. Yeah. Okay, go go Google that and just check it out. He's come from drug addiction and essentially turned his life around and become one of the world's icons in terms of 100%. you know Hollywood and. Um, everybody would aspire to be somebody like that maybe when you're a kid, but you aspire to be a, a felon drug addict? 
what? No, you aspire to see the success, right? And like you said, many exactly. can turn and change, but it was through his rehabilitation. It was through his incarceration that he was able to change. Right. So therein lies, I think, the, uh, the key is leave the good citizens alone and let them be and let them choose. You're mentioning possible sexual orientation, possible racism, you know, that kind of thing. Let people choose what they want for themselves and their lives. Let them live free. That is what America is. Yeah. No don't oppression. change the rules for all Americans because so one or two went bad. Yeah. yeah. And that's where now, now, now the good are being oppressed because of something that they were not involved in. So that, that can be frustrating, but I've seen that in South Africa and you were alluding to the fact that on the global stage that, um, because America, many Americans feel that the, uh, political, uh, um, um, how can I say, uh, the political, um, landscape here maybe you know comedy fodder for other countries at the moment and um it's not <laughs> you guys were talking about slavery uh we had apartheid uh that was in 1984 when you guys abolished the slaves emancipation proclamation when was that long time ago 1800 yeah so um it's it's the same book written in a hundred different ways chapter one maybe chapter three in the other book right but um it's history uh, repeating itself yes uh, but it's way worse um where i'm from and we've got to learn from that though i think i think that's something that um it's sort of sad now um i'm going to take a turn here in a second away from from what we're talking a little bit of politics but to see us trying to erase a lot of the history that we have here in the country as well right now is bound to make us return and then repeat yeah those same mistakes, if we can't learn from them, because you're going to take them away. Yep. You can't teach them. You can't talk about them. That's a whole other subject, erasing history. You can't erase what actually happened exactly. or change how it happened. Well, you can. You can. You can just take it away. And what it's going to guarantee is that you make the same mistake again yeah. and that the same thing happens over and over. So do you want to be stuck in Groundhog Day or do we want to build this to be something better? Yeah. Let's build it to be something better. Let's build it. America was built from nothing. Amen. Yeah. Uh, you're right. And, and it, that's from someone that come from somewhere else to, to realize what all Americans should already realize. I think many realize it. Um, I think how we need to start taking it into our own lives and, and they already do. Um, and when I say they, I, I should say we now because I'm a citizen now. Yeah. So we already do. I'm proud that I'm an American. Um, is just like I described, we need to stop being in judgments of people. We need to start trying to help people. We need to pour out. Um, everyone is essentially family. We are all human beings. We all came from, if you believe, you know, in, in, in the book that we all came from the same mother and father, essentially. Yep. So we are all related in some way. So why wouldn't we treat us, uh, each other as such? And um, I think that's what we need to return to a lot. But that's, that's what America has that. So you guys have all the workings of what we need to do. We just, I don't know if maybe the focus needs to change or maybe we're just being, it's sort of like a magic trick, you know, um, whilst those that are enriching themselves are doing this, they're doing this under the table. They're doing whatever they're doing under the table. I don't know what they're doing under the table, but that's the kind of stuff that we need to stop because America as people, we got it, man. We, we have what we need. We care about each other. Um, we help each other. We are family, even if it's not blood. We need to be there. With we need one more another. of it, though. Yeah. Because right now we're so divided. 
It is. And I think social media is, is, is one of those things that um, the mobile phone and social media, I think, is to blame for that a little bit. Because um, back in the day, um, you would go sit in, and I'm going to talk about me in South Africa here. You're going to go sit down at eight o'clock after the news. You watch the news because if you don't watch the news, you're not allowed to watch the TV. That was just a rule in, 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 in my house. You want to watch the movie. So you get caught up on the news and then you watch a movie. Now, guess what, dude? The movie that comes on, you have no choice what that movie is. Right. It can be a soppy love so like love story. It can be a war story. It can be anything, dude. But you're going to watch that movie. That's your only choice. Now, in today's day and age, there is no living with what somebody else may like and you don't. It is on my phone. I dislike it. I press X. It goes off my screen. Yep. I've got headphones on. I listen to what I want. You listen to what you want. Now, I do like that we have those choices and the freedom that we've been given as I'm all about the freedom. But if you can see there, I'm able to X from my life anything that I don't like. Thus, if you say something that I don't like, I'll just X you, bro. Right. I'll just hit the close button. Yeah, that's very insensitive, impersonal. It Social media has by far single-handedly come right. between families and Americans and, and humans, period. Right. And uh, I, I told you this either at lunch or before um, when I gave you the grand tour. Yeah. <laughs> um, we, uh, I would... I would get rid of social media in a heartbeat if I didn't have to have it. Right. Um, right. I despise it. Right. I mean, it's, it's, I use it's, it. it's useful. I don't want to sound like a hypocrite. Useful. But it's I, great I, for media and marketing. Um, obviously people want to see what you're up to. Um, it definitely, it's a tool that should be bringing us together, but then it's also, it's, it's being very divisive and polarizing. And it's also, it's causing people to become very inward and um, possibly more focused on only what they want versus what's good for everyone and that we can all work together at that. Yeah. Um, so rather than having the synergy of, of you and I, one plus one, just being two, we can be three. But now what will happen is you're working left and I'm working right. So one and one actually becomes zero. Yeah. We're just pulling against each other. And I think that's, that's really, it's, it's such a small little change that we can make. But if we can all look up from our devices and focus on the future together, I think we can really... Um, continue to be great. I yeah. don't want to say be great again because we, we are still great. We can continue to be great. So let's do that. So, but yeah, no, I think right. phones, phones are, are what changed. I mean, I've got mine sitting right here. It's when I went to of, the movies, part of life. Yeah. When I went to the movies as a kid, my friend would ask me, do you want to come to the movies? I would ask him when he would say Friday. I would say, yes, let's go. Yeah. I wouldn't ask him what we're going to watch. Nowadays, somebody would be like, Hey, you want to come to the movies Friday? What are you going to watch? I'm going to watch The Matrix. Uh, I don't like The Matrix. I'm not coming. <laughs> it wasn't yeah. about watching a movie back then. It yeah, was we've about got so many choices. Friends. So, which, yeah. Which brings me to like going to restaurants. Yeah. I hate a menu that's got 14 pages. <laughs> Give me one side of food, one side of liquor. You We're know? old school, bro. Yeah, these, I, these, these new people growing up in the social media age, that's all the choices they have. They want 14 pages. You know? Yeah, so, man. These people, they want too much, then they don't want to give anything back either. Yeah. A lot of people are just all about, you know, in the selfish side of things. And, and one of the biggest problems, because I've got a 10-year-old and a 24-year-old, and one of the biggest problems is trying to raise our children to not look or sound like they're entitled. Right. And, and right now we have this entitlement of, and it's not just of like materialistic things. For instance, we all, now that we have fiber and high speed internet, if we have slow internet, we're like, what the fuck? <laughs> what is going on? Right? Like you get I'm, angry. I'm guilty, man. I'm angry. Guilty. Like 
yeah. you know? But I grew up when I had a pager or a or a, a, a landline that, you know, the whole family used. Dial-up internet, do you remember oh. that? Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's the whole thing. Like, I don't want my kids, because I want to give them everything I can. That's, as a parent, you want to spoil your kids. Yeah. But the last thing I want is my kid to run around like some little punk, snot-nosed punk that expects everything to be given to him for nothing. Right. Not earn it, not work for it, not get good grades, not be good, not do their chores. Like, do your shit. You'll get whatever you want. Right. And when you're out and you're not with mom and dad, you act the same. Yeah. Don't act like anything different. This is who you are. This is who you're going to be. You act what you act in front of us. Yep. In front of them. Yeah. Period. And what we're losing is that a little bit of parenting in a sense. I see it all the time. Where just throw people, a phone in front of them. Perfect example. Yeah. We did Jeep Jam two weeks and two weekends ago. There's huge Jeep festival here. And uh oh my God. It's just it's bringing me pain thinking about it. Super successful event for us. However, the kids, we had a we built this bitch and little crawling course for the twenty four scales. And we were doing a contest. It was free. Should have charged five bucks. Would have made a mint. Free. They come over and they just snatch up the cars and run. Well, a couple of them would sit there for an hour just running and running and running these cars. I'm like, where are your parents at? Oh, I don't know. So they would drop off their kids. Wow. Not care one bit about us. We, free babysitters. Here we are <laughs> running a business, trying to like get contacts, sell stuff, you know, run this contest. And these kids are just running amok, running through our course, stepping on stuff that most parents would say, hey, hey, don't do that. Yeah. But no, they weren't their problem anymore for that hour. Yeah. Now they could go get a beer over at the beer garden or go look at some Jeep stuff that yeah. they wanted to go look at. Yeah. But this, in the same token, we see a lot of times where a parent is just frustrated and just hands them an iPad. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. I often wonder to myself, because I don't have any kids, um, but I, I often wonder to myself uh, what kind of parent I would have been and what my life would have been like if, if I'd have been born in America. And I feel like the opportunity cost of my becoming American and during that time that I would have started a family, um, the cost of my becoming American is that I will never have children. I cannot. It's too late now for me. My, my, my girlfriend that I'm with now, we've already decided on a medical basis that we don't want to risk her life in order to do this. And she's got some kids, so I still, I still have contact there, but they're not my kids, they're not my family. But I often wonder, if I'd have been born in America, that's not had the opportunity cost to become American, would I be like that? I Maybe I would, I don't know. Yeah, so it's tough. It's so easy to, 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 you know, it's so easy to palm off that responsibility. Well, technology has provided us the, the means to do so. Yeah. Back when I was younger, when oh, you were younger, you know, like we threw a football or we played with our friends outside or, you know, we didn't talk on the phone because our parents wouldn't let us use it because they needed to make sure a call would come through for them or if whatever. there was an emergency or family yeah, or anything. It yeah. just, it wasn't like this. So, yeah, you, you know, you think that, but in the grand scheme of things, I'm grateful that I grew up in the era I did in the way I did so that I can somewhat pass it along. You're right. Now, don't get me wrong. My daughter plays on her phone or on her iPad or whatever. I mean, she's she's a smart kid, straight A's. She's a good kid. She doesn't cause a lot of problems. She's an athlete. She gets what she wants. What we can afford, we get. We're, we're that's the kind of parents we are. Yeah. 
But by God, you step out of line, and then the land of the, the long arm of the law in my house is my wife, and uh, you don't want that. You don't want that. I'm telling you right now, she uh, she controls funny. that roost, and and thankfully she does. You know, I still yeah. get to be like the dad, you know, the save the day kind of guy. But you know? we got we we have to stop letting kids in in the grand scheme of things be silenced with electronics. Yep sit in front of video games. So, you know, like if you're watching a show, be like, just go play Xbox. Yeah. But life's also different now. If, if, if you think about it, when, when we grew up, um, just like when my mom and dad grew up, and it's, it's still um, like this in South Africa now, it might have been the same in America. But um, my, my mom and dad's a single income household. They're able to do that now because of what my dad has done and become an ophthalmologist. And, um, no, it's, it's, it's kids these days, you know, they're five, six years old. They're setting up Instagram accounts and they have like YouTube followers and videos. And man, I was eating dog kibble. Yeah. <laughs> like what? It's completely different <laughs> life, right? It's just. We, we were, we were, we were building cardboard box race cars to put on top of skateboards to go down hills. Like <laughs> we were eating asphalt. Like we, you know, we didn't do anything inside the house. Yeah. The Nintendo came out, the original Nintendo, and we would get to play it. Maybe an hour a day. Like yeah. our parents would be like, "All right, you're done. Yeah, go back you only outside." Had one TV, and that TV was for that exactly. movie that day, bro. Exactly. Yeah. So, no, we we've got it made as Americans. Did you guys have it when you were a kid? Um, you knew it was home time when the school lights, uh, when the street lights turned on. Oh yeah, that that's, was us. Yeah, that that's was when us. you had to go home. Yeah, that's, that's home the, time. That's the going joke. Uh, my my, because my wife and I, and our we tentatively let our kid run free of the neighborhood she's getting you know she's at the age where like yeah we're okay and now we have tracking device on her she's got her own phone so if it wasn't for that you know yeah it's a little different people yeah. drive like crazy through our and neighborhood super contactable too you know so, yeah. so so if you see she's somewhere that you think she shouldn't be you can at least call her and be like hey like what, what are you doing there but in my day nothing i'd ride a bicycle a mile down the a busy highway to my friend's neighborhood and my parents wouldn't even know i was there it's just different. We weren't worried about people yeah. snagging us. We weren't worried about. It's just it was different, yeah. you know. And and I miss that for my kids. Right. You know, I love technology. Right. Of course, we're technology people. Yep. But it's it's yeah, it's bad. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's just man. social media, internet, you know, peripherals, all these different things that we have access to. It's it's not great. Right. But then again, we wouldn't be doing a podcast right That's now. That's true either. as well, so you know. So there's so a lot of good that comes out of it. But it the definitely is. It definitely is. Uh, RC as well, you know, part of technology that's really come a long way. And um, without the technology, really, that's that's gone into mobiles and that kind of stuff for battery technologies, we might not have what we have. Like from so. a Tamiya Falcon to an S Works S twelve point two, you know, like that's a big jump. It's like from a tube TV to a LCD, you know, like full blown. That's like from a slideshow. <laughs> yeah. to, it is. It's, it's like a, the original. Well, it has a picture. It doesn't even move. It's but from now. one of those uh, phones that you had to ring, you know, do the circle, the rotary phone. Yeah, we had those. All the way to, you know, an iPhone, you yeah, know. we had those. Or even smoke signals to an iPhone. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy, man. And people still collect it to me as they're, they're still fun. So I, I have a massive soft spot being that my first truck, as I said, was a, a Blackfoot. So They've been doing a lot of re-re's. They do, they do. But the the, 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 the re-re is the frog version where the rear shocks are flat. Yeah. And mine was the version where the shocks were all upright. Uh, and you can find them refurbed for like the price of like a ready to run 6S. 
I'm not paying that. Yeah, one that'll just be a shelf queen. Yeah. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the last thing you're going to do is take a Tamiya out right now and uh, bash it. I mean, I wouldn't. I probably my Falcon, would. My Falcon, well, I told I you earlier, I'm not would, a basher dude. regardless. But if I could race that in a vintage, I might do that. So um, the track that I had before I left South Africa, and this is the only thing of my life that survives pre-fire, I gave to my buddy because he just had a kid, and I said, when he's old enough, let me know, um, and I will um, I will tell you like what you got to do, get it running again. And I know the car very well. And he recently contacted me about eight months ago, and he's refurbed it and put another body on it and used sticker kit and everything, and I helped him send some stuff to South Africa. And now his kid's playing with it, same age as what I know. You're old Blackfoot? Yeah, oh, younger, awesome. younger than I was. Um, he is now 10, so I was 13 when I got my first. Maybe I can influence his life in the same way. I became a racer because of that. I became, started watching Formula One because of that. With my uncle, started seeing that I loved cars. My dad loves cars, but I mean, he has about um, as much, um, how can I say, charisma as, um, you know, sand has moisture. <laughs> <laughs> I guess you can get mud. That's a bad analogy, but you, you, you get what I'm saying. So he's a great guy, don't get me wrong. Um, but Just not a car guy. He's Well, he is a car guy. And that's what's really weird. He's just not a talker. He's he's very um, he's he's very introverted. And it's funny. I will say this. You, you you you. I'm I'm actually an introvert myself. I just know how to be extroverted. Also, he just never learned that. So. I think if you're in the RC world, you're an introvert. I think so. Eh? I, I mean, th- I'm, we're all nerds. I think I think what it is. You're right. I was a massive nerd myself, and the introversion. You 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 learn that. Being alone, you're not going anywhere, buddy. You have to be seen a little bit. Yeah. So we all do just enough to get seen, but I think we're all <laughs> truly introverts. I think so. I, I've, I've thought about it a lot, and there's I don't know anybody that's not a geek, you know, right? a nerd in RC. Right? They can say they're not, and they can act like they're cool. Like some of my better buddies in, in the racing world are, you know, they're cool dudes, but they're nerds. They're I totally loved nerds. Um, I loved back in the day taking um, programming and coding and writing batch codes to change the game just slightly that I was playing <laughs> to like literally change parts of the game I didn't want to play. Right. <laughs> right. Literally recoding it in DOS. And that was really where uh, Turbo Pascal way back then in the in the 80s and 90s was where all my programming ends. I should have carried on with that. But um, yeah, anyway. Like, yeah, uh, I wish I would have done a little bit of that. It's, it it's a good be thing there's smart people that, that take money to, to do that kind of stuff because oh, yeah. I'm oh, yeah. definitely... Delphi, yeah. C++, Visual Basic, JavaScript, um, HTML, all still extremely useful. Um, the thing with it is it's, it's constantly changing and evolving to the point where even if you studied it and then you didn't use it for a couple of years... You got to do it all the time. That's what happened to me, yeah. yeah I just, to. I'm totally so far... I'm like prehistoric now. Yeah. Writing DOS shells. These guys are writing HTML code. <laughs> I've done a little HTML, but that's, that's the extent of it, man. I, I'm not uh, yeah, you Java, do some design. C++. I, yeah, I do a lot of uh, graphic design. But the coding side of things, my my extent goes to HTML. I'm, uh, yeah, I mean, HTML is super useful still. You know, obviously, it's, it's what's on the web page is what we all see. So, But most of uh, programming and logic um, going to be based probably in C++. So Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's pretty advanced in comparison to what I have. So right. <laughs> so what do you? Um, I know we've been talking for a while, so I don't want to uh, leave without um, learning a little bit more about the Protech side of things. Um, so are you the brand manager for Protech no. fully, or no? That would be Chad Bradley. Chad so Bradley. 
where I sit actually officially would be as account manager for A-Main. And what that means is that I reach out to all of the hobby shops that we distribute to. Uh, we have over 90 A-level brands now that we distribute and um, we supply those to all the hobby shops, just like yourself, as you know, what you can get from us, big name brands, techno, um, associated, um, pro-tech, eco-power, um, Tekken, McLaren racing. You know, we, we, we have a lot of race bread but then also focusing a lot these days on the bashing. Um, so that's that's what I focus on. Protex brand manager would be Chad Bradley. So Chad Bradley is responsible for finding the products that we're going to use, um, the QC, the ODM, the design, the specs that we want, the manufacturers that we're going to use because we do ODM. So the benefit of ODM is that we're not stuck in R&D. And if we produce something from our R&D that's been exceeded by a competitor, well, we're stuck with that because that's what we've developed um, so it gives us the the benefit and the flexibility to move with the industry as quickly as it changes. If it changes quicker than what our products do, we'll find another manufacturer that's able to make it for us. Mm-hmm. And we will continue to focus on that, that quality um, that the RCA wants, the, the racer wants, the top quality, the pro tech. So yeah. we spell tech a little bit different, but it's T-E-K. No, no, it's good. That's what it is. It's, it's the good pro tech. Words. Yeah. Yeah, uh, pro tech... Um, for a lot of people that don't know is a very good brand. Thank you. Um, when I first started ordering in ProTech from a main distributing, what used to be swift distributing. Uh, yes. Um, I, uh, I was, I was actually very surprised with the servos. Like for me, it was kind of like, Oh, it's kind of like a, a you know, a, a hobby shop or like yeah. an under brand of a main. And, um, but the quality in the price point was, was really good in the, the, the margins for dealers like myself was very good. Thank you. Which, you know, for all the hobby shops that are listening, if you're not carrying ProTech, you should. I mean, Thank you. 100%, good quality, good backing, and very, very good support. Yep. So, If you're not carrying it and you want to carry it, my email is shanem at amain.com. Is, is that one of those shameless plugs? That's it. I'm, That's just, <laughs> I'm just kidding. So, uh, yeah, just go ahead and email me. We'll get you set up. If you're a brick-and-mortar hobby shop, we would like to supply you and help you. Um, you're right. Uh, ProTech many, many, many years ago, we had to do things like crash replacements on your batteries. So if you crashed and you showed us a photograph of your tuckered battery, we'd take 50% off the next one. Um, we still have exceptional warranty. Um, still one of the easiest brands to warranty and deal with is ProTech and EcoPower, which is our value focused brand. Um, but at the same time now, our warranties are industry standards. Um, we'll replace the product for you. It's no longer... Um, of course, abuse and damage, unfortunately, from a crash is no longer covered. But um, that's that's the kind of stuff that we had to do build up. And now now we have names like Mayfield, Tessman, um, Spencer Rivkin, um, you know, that, that run our products. So uh, some exciting news to come probably in the next couple of years as well. And a staple at most hobby shops that are both race and now really happy to see in the bash shops too, because we really focus on just race hobby shops with ProTech previously. But the brand is now really spilling over with um, EcoPower as well yeah. into the bash side. But a lot of the bashes are using the ProTech servos. Yeah, I've, I've noticed the the new servo lines coming out in EcoPower as, as well as like the the 24 scale batteries with the EcoPower yes. and the, the batteries for the crawlers and stuff. I um, we, we utilize them. We sell them. Good. Uh, they're good sellers. Thank you. I think in the grand scheme of things, you know, when, when there's somebody that stands behind a product and you know, there's a direct line to it, no matter, no matter what the brand is, they're going to, they're going to eventually take off. Right. Uh, we've seen that in, in a lot of the big names. Like when you stand behind a product, a hobby shop wants to sell it. 
That's true. Um, and it makes it real tough to buy stuff that everyone wants. We see, hear it all the time. I remember, um, what was the the dang brand name of the light? So Lipo's five years ago is a different story. Oh, yeah. And people would always be online. Like Jen's Ace wasn't as good as they are now, but they were super cheap. And everyone, you know, not a lot of hobby shops are carrying it. It was all eBay or online yeah. or whatever. And you'd hear Jen's Ace, you know, oh, I just, I got this and I bought it off the line, whatever, bought off eBay. Well, now that brand, same thing happened with Hobbywing. I remember when Hobbywing came out the year I opened up. And their speed controls were junky little $50 plastic things. and In comparison it, back then to Speed Passion, and now they've like swapped. Exactly. And, and so Hobbywing is now just an, an exceptional brand. Like yeah. I love the brand. I love the people behind it. But when it first came out, I was like, oh, yeah, it's just a budget way. It's a budget product to get going. Now it's like. Yeah, there's some other stuff we can get you in, but Hobby Wings, you know, is top dog, <laughs> top dollar stuff. Um, but yeah, ProTech and, and the the Eco Power stuff that you guys, your proprietary stuff has been really good for Thank our you. shop. So I definitely tell anybody and recommend it yeah. to uh, other other businesses as well. Trying to protect those margins and make sure that we keep moving with the times. You know, the servos, the batteries, and the chargers are really that bread and butter for you. But then also trying to find a lot of niche products. Um, for example, um, surprisingly, not a lot of distributors have sprue cutters. How are you going to cut your wires if nobody sells you one? Well, you got to go to the hardware store. Well, why doesn't anyone have one? Yeah. What about a soldering iron? I think there's only one distributor that has a soldering iron. Um, just little things like that. So we're trying to roll up our, our products. Um, you'll see some new ones. We just brought out a ProTech backpack. It fits a short course truck inside. You can put any yep. car inside of it. Has in the back. It has the little tool case. Um, a cleaning brush. Like guys are buying cleaning brushes from the hardware store. Yeah. Well, why don't we have one? We should be a one-stop shop, right? Yeah. Just filling little niches like that. And EcoPower's helped us to do that as well, where they focus more on the value side and then quality is brought up in the numbers that we've brought in order to bolster instead of a discount, better quality. And then on the ProTech side, we've gone to the top of the trough, the best of the product that we can find. And with the numbers that we have in buying those numbers and our buying power, reducing the cost right. of those products to get it to everyone. Because we really feel like if everyone can get what you should be running with, the hobby becomes a lot more fun for you. Yeah. So well, and it, it's an ebb and flow. Yeah. Because there's going to be somebody that comes out. If, if one person wins with a different kind of servo, they might sell for a That's while. True. You know, and, That's and it's true. like, it, and, and it really comes out to how big of an influence are the people that are using them. Yeah. Um, yeah. But when you have good, you know, management and sales, uh, people that are willing to follow up, it makes it easier to, to know what products are out there. Yeah. That for me, that's a big deal because there's so many to choose from. It's true. I want to be able to, I want to support people that are, have their finger on the industry, know what we're looking for. Like, don't come to me with a bunch of plastic models and you know uh, anything that's not what we're focused on yeah. i don't want to know anything about rockets and models and stuff i want to know what's the best servo what's the best tires what's the best cars out there and for us to you know a lot of at first it was hard for me to order from a main i mean just being fully honest and transparent yeah, it's like no oh, that's i don't want to give to my competitor but in the same token you guys have good margins you have good product the support's been really good. It was a no-brainer. And, and fortunately, we went that route. Right. Um, a lot of people don't want to, you know, we've talked about this before. They don't want to buy from other shops because they're supporting other shops. And right. that's not true. What you're doing is you're supporting the hobby, which is actually going to grow exactly. it. Exactly. And if we don't grow the hobby, we're going to just keep losing that's people. That's it. 
That's it. You know. You've hit the nail on the head. And, you know, we are one of the larger retailers of RC Online. Um, and we have the opportunity and the means and the capital to expand like a hobby town V2 could, for example, right? But we won't do that. We don't want to do that. Because if we did that, we would be going out and killing all of the mom and pop shops to become a monopoly. We don't intend to become a monopoly. But what we intend to do is to, to invest into the industry so as to grow the industry because if you guys all go away, venues and places that you can get a part on which you break your card a day, maybe that customer puts it on his shelf and instead of shopping online, he doesn't shop online and it becomes a shelf queen and RC dies. Yeah, doesn't so, shop at all for no. RC. So we're invested 100% and that's what A-Main Distributing is all about is it's about giving back to the industry and helping the hobby shops to get those brands. You don't want to be set up with a hundred different direct accounts. No. You're going to be killed in shipping. So can we bring it to A-Main? And if we can, we'd like to. So with that being said, we, we have been picking up, um, like I said, we when when I started with, with A-Main in 16, we had 32 brands. Now we have over 90 A-level brands. Yeah. So, you know, one of the, some of the big ones added team associated and techno and that kind of thing, you know, they, they were direct before, Yeah. which means several different websites, several different calls, several different places for warranty. Lots of the warranties are direct with, with, with a manufacturer. That's not like that anymore. Most of what you get from me, you can warranty with me. Yeah. With a phone call. Exactly. I'm going to take care of you. That's what I'm saying. The support's been really good and we feel, um, you know, good about pushing the product. Thank it you. makes it easy for us to say, Hey, buy this battery, yeah. you know, or whatever, whatever it might be. Right. Um, you know, it, it, you give options and there's other similar options from other companies that we still, we support them as well. The, the main thing is, is we try to sell what people want. Yes. You guys have a lot of it. This Thank company you. has a lot of it. Yeah. You know? So we, we, you know, we have to, I yeah. mean, to, to, to do what we're trying to do, we have oh, to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But um, ProTech and EcoPower, for sure, of those two proprietary lines that you guys have are, are great lines. And I, well, don't get me wrong, I order a lot more than just that stuff from A-Main. Um, but, yeah, so A-Main's uh, the, the, the distrib distributing, distributing side of uh, A-Main has been really good for us. So I'm glad that uh, you guys exist, and it's nice you put the warehouse up in North Carolina. Yeah, that that's really been a big us. change for us. Eh? Being able to reach you guys in a much quicker time, I feel like that was um, part of that animosity, of course, looking at looking at A-Main as a competitor because we're a reseller that sells online that can reach all customers from all brick-and-mortar hobby shops. So that animosity was there originally. But now people are seeing that we do stand behind the product. We are supporting the hobby shop. We are investing into you guys. And then being able to reach most of the country within three days has been absolutely paramount. So yeah, that's, that's been a very, very, very big step in our recent success. So is cycling actually. So uh, for those of you that don't know, um, A-Main also runs cycling websites. We have dance comp, we have performance uh, bike, we have nashbar.com. Um, so yeah, that's, that's all us as well. And the cycling has allowed us um, to have two streams of revenue, which one is peaking when the other one isn't, which has made us more stable and that's helped us to grow, to make, North Carolina facility as well. So it's been exciting to see, and you guys have all been a very big part of it as you did rally behind us. Um, and you guys are all pushing us to, to, to grow as well. So thank you for that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, the bike thing did those three different websites, did a main acquire them or start them? We acquired them. So the bicycle scene, um, just like any other industry has changed a lot through the way that people shop these days. Um, people seem to be starting a high percentage of people um, are starting their, their shopping experience on their phone. 
And then what they're doing is they're starting to look for that product and cycling, just like RC racing, there are so many option paths. They're so super specific that a brick and mortar like shop can't keep everything necessarily. You can't go in and get every single sprocket or BB or or um, threaded bearing or crank set. You can't get all of it. You just don't have space to stock all of it. It's not possible. You can stock what people are asking for and you can special order the rest. Instant gratification meant that um, those people didn't want to wait and those stores that were ordering it were only going to get it in a week or two where the guy online already had it mm-hmm. and drove a lot of the business online. And those brick and mortar hobby shops, uh, not hobby shops, cycling shops um, that were attached to those brands, performance had their own stores, their own line of stores. They all dried up because of that as such because they had all of this overhead to have a store, but the guys are just buying it online anyway because the option parts not in the store. Right, And then as the um, physical facilities dried up, and this is why we're so invested because we've, we've seen it happen in industries over and over and over. Toys are one of them as well. I could talk about Toys R Us. Um, as those brick and mortar facilities dry up, so does the website. Yeah. And then it's gone and then it's dead and then there is no more. So with cycling, we, we bought dancecomp.com, we bought Performance Bike, we bought Nash Bar. Um, none of those retail facilities or those brands exist anymore. We are them. We took them over. It was a large transition, um, but it's all online now. Um, and maybe in the future, I guess, I mean, we're, we're, we're trying to work towards maybe some cycling distribution. Maybe we can try to put back into the cycling industry the way that we have in RC. Yeah. We'll see if that's possible. I think it will be. That's real cool. I don't, I don't think everybody realizes that A-Main is also invested into the cycling side right. of things. So um, I think it's really cool that A-Main, you know, and the execs have all gone in a different route. I love the fact that, like you said, that when one's peaking, the other one's on this right. you know, downside and vice versa. You know, a lot of people, you know, would just assume you guys kick ass all year. And, and obviously, <laughs> A-Main do does. Things. Yeah, I mean, a, the, the hobby side, A-Main is probably always going to do a little bit better than most of us just because, you know, you guys have so much. You have the two warehouses. You're a household brand. You have tons of, tons of following. Right. But in the grand scheme of things, we have to also – you know, understand you guys aren't just a retail shop, you're wholesale. So right. the wholesale side of things for your, for a mains RC is a huge, you know, way of keeping your, your, your things moving through the warehouses. Um, but being that the, the bike stuff's all retail, is it just like, is it still the game of trying to get it to a, a, the next level, like yes. increasing revenue or because you have all three of those sites as long as you guys are reaching a certain number, things are good. Business is, you know, can continue as normal. Like how, how do you so, gauge that? So my, my, my dad told me something when, when, when I was younger and it was pretty interesting. Um, he doesn't talk very much, as I said, but he did tell me a couple of things. So when he talked, I listened and he told me one thing in life. He said, hey, Shane, because um, I asked him, I asked him, hey, what, what, what should I be when I grow up, dad? And he, he told me, he says, what do you like to do? And I said, I don't know yet. He says, well, what you need to do is you need to find out what you like to do. And it doesn't matter if it makes money or not. You need to become good at it. And once you become successful and you're invested into that industry, people will start paying you because you're good at what you do. If you chase the money, you'll always be sad. You'll always be poor. Now, Amen has a very similar philosophy. I'm not saying that we're not in business to make money. Of course, we consider profitability. We can't be losing money. We can't die no. in trying to invest into the industry. But what we realize is that investing into the industry grows the pot for everyone, which also grows us rather than just 
how can I say, um, as I alluded to earlier, we, we, we could, if we wanted to, open up stores across the nation, I guess, but we won't because that's not investing into the industry. That's becoming a monopoly. That's being profit-driven versus being success-driven because if we're all successful, then everything grows. Right. So that's, that's our philosophy. And um, I guess that's, that's why I'm so embedded myself in A-Main is because A-Main is based upon something that I fundamentally learned at a 10-year-old level right. that I was based on chase what you will be good at. Um, look to take your weaknesses and make them strengths. Take your strengths and strengthen your strengths and then invest into something. And as you help everyone, it can be better for all. Don't just take from someone else for you to make your life better and worse for someone else. That's not how we should live. So yeah. that's American. That's what I was saying. It's well, the American way, man, is, absolutely. Is, is to be in unison and to help one another and to be free and to live your life as you wish, but also to make better for all. Yeah. yeah it, we, um, you, you couldn't be more right. Your dad couldn't be more right. Um, I've, I've been labor of love driven my entire life. My father self-employed um, as long as, I mean, I've been alive and, it's always been businesses and such that he was either good at or he loved. And, right. and I've followed in that path. Like, I, you know, my story's out there. I started this with nothing pretty much. Most people wouldn't have started with less than three times what I started right. this with. But it was because I loved it and because I was so passionate about it that I could grow it. Right. It wasn't because people see I that. had they a lot of that. money. It's tangible. Well, and, and that's, that's the hardest part. Like everyone's different and not everyone's going to work as hard as the next guy. Right. It's, it's, everything's individually based. Right. You know, so you could have the same passion, but you just be lazy. <laughs> it's just, it is what it is. You know, I was very not lazy, very, uh, very, um, I, I just, I love what I do. So for getting up in the morning is not hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was something else my dad always told me. It, it, it was interesting you say that. He said, hey, if, if, if you go to a job for money, you'll be tired every day and you'll be hoping for Friday. But if you find a job, like you said, that you love, it's not hard to get up and work doesn't feel like work. You never want to leave. Exactly. <laughs> the, the, the whole family situation. It's just like, I love my family and I love my work. So you got to have both, you know, you, one way or the other, you have to sacrifice something. Right. So I didn't, I sacrificed my family early. When I figured out I was doing wrong, yep. now I have to sacrifice a little work. But work await. You know, yeah. it might not be on time. I might not get everything done when I want to. But it'll. You know, hopefully, I can delegate or prioritize improperly to the point right. where I don't miss an opportunity, right? Or miss my, you know, something with family. So, right, it's very important. You know, yeah, I think I think just like you said, you you just said something important. Um, as another saying, they say, if you die today. Your your um your work will be uh, looking for a replacement for you before your obituary is posted in the newspaper. So family is 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 the one that's that's important. Family is the one that counts. Yeah. Family is why we do everything that we do. Um, family can be blood. It can be of your own offspring. It can be like I said, my my friends that I've made here. But that for me, that is of the utmost importance. The yeah. the, the the personal connection, the people. For me, money is material. Um, cars. Valuables are material. It is nice to have nice things. Um, you know, I have some nice things sometimes, I guess. Um, I'm not destitute, that's for sure. But um, what I take more from is a personal connection, talking to someone, understanding what makes them tick, seeing how I can help. Not because I want something back, but because I want 
the world to be a better place. Yep. And that's, you know, that's, that's, awesome. that's what I see with you and your family. Um, like I said, I live vicariously when I see your posts <laughs> and I see this genuine beaming smile from yourself and your kids in yeah. those photographs. Um, funny, I, I don't see a lot of pictures and not like I'm looking for your wife or anything, right? Like, oh, I've got to uh, see Brent's wife, you know? But She's a hottie. But well, I don't know, but there's not a lot of pictures of her, man. Yeah, there is. You guys got to get pictures of you guys together because either one of you guys we taking do. the picture of you and the kid or it's the other way We're around. We're not together all the time. That's the problem. So when, uh, okay. when we are together, there's pictures of us. See, that's 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 what I was alluding to earlier with, with the world today where people just toss out a phone because both parents are busy. Whereas before it used to be on a single income household, mom's home, mom's with the kids, mom's job is X, Y, and Z, very traditional, right? That's how I grew up in South Africa, but the world's different today. But it's nice to see that you both are taking that alternating time then to be with your family. Yeah, we, 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 my wife's the one that taught me. If it wasn't for her, I'd probably still be like married to work. I, I was married once before and I'm pretty sure we're not married because of work. Right. But um, she, we, we, we alternate day and nights based on our daughter's schedule. Um, I take her to school every morning and I pick her up three days a week, two, two days a week. If I race on Wednesdays, if I don't race on Wednesdays, I pick her up from gymnastics. Um, but on the weekends we're generally together. Um, so that's when we get to plan the things, whether every Sunday is basically family day, no matter right. what. And some are Saturdays, one or two Saturdays a month. I'm either traveling or racing at our tracks or whatever. And then obviously I do, you know, six to 10 weekend travel races a year. So we have very little time in my opinion. And the night feel you on that. The nighttime is, you know, get home at six, eat dinner, get her showered, you know, sitting around, watch a few shows together, play some games, whatever. Yeah. And then it's bedtime. Yeah. And when they're in bed, I'm working. Man, so I'm, I'm up late, yeah. I'm, you know, they're in bed sleeping. I'm working, wake up five 30, go to the gym, get back, take her to school. Yeah, yeah. And we're back, then I'm back to work, you know. So, so your, uh, your 10 year old, has, has she been down the track? Has she, has oh, she yeah, run? Yeah. Oh does, yeah. Does, does she run also? Not anymore. Not uh, anymore? No. Well, she's just so busy. Oh damn. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's a full-time competitive gymnast. So wow. she's uh, four days a week, like 20 hours a week of gym. Wow. She's going to school. Um, that's another thing that's changed in the years gone by. When, when, when I was, I did gymnastics when I was a kid. Gymnastics when I was a kid was doing roly-polies on the grass yeah. for an hour once a week, <laughs> right? Um, my, my, my girlfriend's son has just joined the football team. He's 16 years old. They practice five days a week for five hours a day yeah. from 2 p.m. till 7 p.m., 25 hours. But football's serious business in this country. I know, I know. Serious but it's just, business. It's just... It's completely different. I mean, were you guys training for five days a week for five hours when you were in school at football? Hockey, I played uh, four days a week, yeah. Wow, that's just, I guess, I guess it's just so different for me. We had rugby practice on Tuesdays and open fitness on Thursdays, and it was one hour, and it was during school, and then you had PE. That's it. But that's why you were so small. <laughs> I guess so, bro. <laughs> I was always small too, so I can't talk shit. I was like, I was, okay, in, in grade eight... I was wearing, you know, clothes, they, 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 they stop becoming aged when you're like 13, 14, and they start becoming a medium large. First, it's a youth, and then it's an adult, right? Right. I was wearing a seven to eight age shirt when I was 14. Yeah. <laughs> 
I was tiny too, man. I, I, I don't think I grew until I dropped out of high school. I mean, <laughs> if she wanted to know which way the wind was blowing, you just had to look which side of the fence I was stuck on. <laughs> it was terrible, man. Like, I mean, I think my dad Sorry. considered getting some uh, some stocks in a Q-tip company because I kept falling in the drain of the shower. <laughs> you know, like, I was that small, man. It was crazy. Damn. So I was tiny. And then all of a sudden when I was 16, I hit this growth spurt. And now it's like, now I'm 100 kilograms, 220 pounds. That's now I'm like funny. normal sized, what I expected to be. But I'm not joking. I must have been about, okay, I, I have to talk kilograms here because I don't remember my weight in pounds back then. I think I was around like 48 kilograms when I was 14. You've got to multiply by 2.2, so you can do the math there. Under 100 pounds or around 100 pounds. That's funny, man. When I'm like 14. I was always so tiny. I never thought I was going to grow. And it wasn't until two years ago I started working out that I had any de definition. I was just this, you know, like Napoleon Dynamite looking dude, you know. <laughs> I could dress good, but, you know, underneath there was this whole different story going on. But, you know, the gym and, and the discipline of that has uh, changed my life. I think um, I think growing up like that where the odds are stacked against you in terms of uh, physical attributes in some way helps you to um, develop your, your, your mental as well as your, um, your, your talking attributes as well as bringing you out of your shell from introversion to a little bit of extroversion and seeing the use of that. And then, luckily, the both of us then got the benefit that we bolted that on later. <laughs> but we were built and forged from that fire of the adversity of inversion. Fucking tiny guys, bro. Right? What the hell, man? Right? Girls don't want to talk to you, bro. The, the, the rule was you got to be taller than them, right? Bro, I was half the size of all of them, man. <laughs> I met my wife uh, at uh, – I was racing. I met my wife. Um, I, I won my second race ever on ice. And um, I was a scrawny, scrawny dude for sure. Oh, yeah, that must have been an asset when you were racing. I mean, wrestling Lot. the bike, probably not, but power to weight, sure. When I was racing motorcycles, I was so small that I had a guy that raced with me that owned quarter horses that wanted me to be a jockey for him. <laughs> That's how tiny I was. No lie. That's crazy. 100% factual. Wow. Yeah. He's like, bro, you'd win me a lot of money. You light. <laughs> it was like 100 pounds at 20 or 115 pounds at 20 years old. Hey, so we're going to, after the podcast, talk about that thing I was saying about the garage. But if you said in South Africa, you can make me a lot of money, like that would be something else too. <laughs> <laughs> well, I uh, I think, how long have we been doing this? Two hours. That's that a good one, man. That's yeah. awesome. That, well, you know, time flies when it you're having fly. fun. And uh, it, it was awesome. I, I'm, I'm glad that, um, so I had a meeting scheduled at 12 that got canceled. And if it wasn't for that, we, you would have been on your way. And yep. you lost. You just lost two hours of your life. But, um, man, it was, it was really good I, to learn. And, um, you know, a lot of people don't know a lot about A-Main other than they're, yeah. we got a lot of cool stuff. And, um they don't see faces a lot. Yeah. So now they're going to have an opportunity to see your face for a little while. And they all heard your voice during INS. So now they get to kind of see a little bit more other than what you, uh, I, to be honest, I only watch the mains and, yeah. and a little bit of it at that because I don't watch a lot of RC. I just can't, I don't have time. <laughs> I always try to watch the mains. I, I try to watch the mains. So, um, but yeah, man, I, I, it was, it was awesome. I'm, I'm glad you came by. Thank you. And, um, even though this was impromptu, I know yeah. you were just on a sales call, but it was, uh, this, this really worked and I'm glad we did it. So yeah, thank absolutely. you a lot. And, uh, 
I'm really looking forward to the next time. Yeah, I'd love to come back sometime, you know, maybe in, in, in a couple of months or in a year or something, whenever you'd like to have a have us buy again. You know, a lot of things can change in that time. So Absolutely. Yeah. Let's talk again sometime it's a, soon. It's a rolling thunder out there, man. We uh you don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. So it, it's it's insane. A lot of the things that I just thought in my life would be ironclad and they just take a ninety degree turn. Yeah. So yeah. Happy to be here. Well, as long as you don't park your car in my garage, we're good. <laughs> no, <that's laughs> now I see what you're talking All about. Right. Oh, no. All uh, right. Well, yeah. Until next time, um, hope you guys enjoyed this wheel and trigger. Shane Mouton. Yep, that's it. Brent Densford, Lola May sleeping on her chair. My man, Robert Yurk. You can't see him either. He'll be on the next ones, right? We'll get him on. I got three cameras yeah. coming or two more cameras and yeah. Production's getting ready to ramp up. So right. cool. Well, thanks for thanks for being back there, Robert. Thanks for helping us out. Awesome. All, All right, right, man. Until next time, guys. Thank you. Cheers.